Okay, uh, it's good to meet you. Step step right this way. Uh, can I get you some water? Uh, oh no, no, I'm I'm good. Thanks. I, sorry, I, I'm just a little, a little bit nervous. Are, are you sure don't, you you don't want any water? Like we got sparkling. We have we have uh, squirt if you if, if you want as well. Any of that? No, no, I, I'm good. I get it. It's it's only natural to be nervous during job interviews. I'm I'm not a monster or anything, but uh, huh. but, but with your resume, uh, you've got nothing to worry about, man. This, this, this is going to be just like a formality. Let's just go over it. So. Huh. Um, it says here, uh, let me uh, adjust my classes. It says here that you're the rudest, most titballing scientist that the Yura have in their employ. Uh, and your specialty is, uh, let's, let's see here. Uh, I, it should, it should say right there. It's a ontological scale doomsday devices, uh, relationship metaphor division. Mm, okay. Yes. Oh, there, there we go. Um, you see, you know, your stuff. Uh, so I should be up front. Uh, we're looking to hire somebody who can totally obliterate the Yura. Uh, like, okay, so let's just say, like, erase them from existence, okay? Um, I just really, yeah, man, I, I don't want people to even remember them, you know? Like, that's that's kind of our goal here. Uh, do you foresee any sort of, uh, again, formalities, formalities? Do you foresee any kind of uh, conflict of interest here? I mean, family, uh, friends, uh, let's, let, let's see here, location of first kisses, uh, the first time you threw a bottle at a street sign, uh, your last goodbye, I mean, like, you know, the train station where you said, hey, family, uh, I, I'll see you again real soon, I'm going to Ceylonia to make a living. Uh, to, to, to really uh, put a put a dent in the world, uh, you didn't expect to be that that literal, but but yeah, like that train station or you know uh, the first time you that you ate yogurt, uh, the first time that you ate uh, that you ate frogurt. Um, or Froyo. I don't know how, what the year I call it. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's okay, cool. Like the sour stuff. Right. Right. It kind of surprises you at first. Uh, but yeah, just like that memory right there. The first time, oh, <laughs> the first time you finger slammed, I mean, just like really got up there, like in those gully works. Oh, your pets. Uh, like, do you have uh, any pets? They're going to stop I, you from obliterating uh, this entire country. I mean, uh, let's see here. A uh, little, little uh, bell uh, belly. Oh. I'm getting, I'm getting some kind of bee buddy. Oh, is, is it a buddy? Oh. Um, some kind of cute little tail, uh, wagging around. I mean, just any of that, just anything like that. Uh, no. Oh, well, great. Um, so let me show you to the core of Ceylandia. Uh, this is where we keep our most sensitive secrets. Um, okay. And, okay. And here's the address of my family, just in case you need any kind of... Hey, <laughs> we're going to cut off this uh, predictable watch out for Fireball sketch. And we're going to tell you about Duckstream 2016. Yes. Um, so Duckstream, this is going to be the third one that we've done. And that is crazy. Duckstream is a, a yearly event that uh, that we do every fall um, where we stream for a very, very long amount of time. Um, first, the Portland people this year and then Cincinnati people uh, this year, along with some community folks uh, mm -hmm. to support the Transactive Gender Center. Yes, it is an awesome cause. Um, they provide uh, care and support for transgender youth across the country. Um, kind of, you know, recognized experts, a recognized organization in that field. Uh, we love them, and uh, they could use our help. They could use your help. So uh, if you go to www.duckfeed.tv forward slash duckstream, you can find all the details, schedule all the goofy stuff we're going to be doing, mm -hmm. all the cool donation incentives. Um, you know, we've done that, like I said, Cole said, a uh, third time. Um, we're mm -hmm. we're reaching out. This is going to actually probably cross us over ten thousand dollars totally. Oh, definitely. Raised. Like we're going to yeah. cross we're going to cross ten thousand probably before the event starts. Actually, yeah, which is which is just fantastic. So, yeah. um, 
you know, we really appreciate in the past, you know, it is because you guys are great and because our fans are very, very generous that we've been able to do this. Um, it's very important to us. It is, like we said, it is such a good cause. We'd love it if you went there, checked out what we're going to do, donated. Um, if you want to get something for your donation, um, we are selling uh, shirts for Duckstream 2016. If you mm-hmm. go, there's a link on that page. Yep. Um, and all proceeds from that will go to the charity. Yes. Um, so this event is going to run from November the 11th at 10 p.m. Eastern or 7 p.m. Pacific, all the way through to Sunday night, November the 13th um, at 10 p.m. Eastern or 7 p.m. Pacific. Um, and even if you can't donate, we understand um, that uh, money can be tight. Supporting us in the chat is actually a really great way uh, to help out, just to, just to be there and cheer us on and make funny jokes about stuff. Um, Spread the word. Yes. Like, like, even if you're watching, just like throw it up on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Tell people, you know, especially, you know, uh, that, you know, if you can re rebroadcast it, that's great. Mm-hmm. And like, even if you don't are not interested in the charity or not interested in uh, in in that, at the very least, tune in because it is going to be like there's going to there's some possibility for some like train wreck shit. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that last year it ended with uh, us singing. Uh, I don't want to miss a thing like pretty loud. <laughs> I hate that song. I have no iron ironic like of it. It is what being up for like 27 hours does to me. It's just like, <laughs> oh, music. We're doing music now. Let's do it. It's great. Uh, yeah, it's a, I, I fucking hate that song, guys. <laughs> and like it, it didn't matter, though, because. You know, you get to, it's a transformative effect. So you get to uh, see that. Last year, people got to see me uh, crying during the ending of Silent Hill 2. It was it was hidden. I wasn't like openly weeping. I was hidden okay. behind the uh, behind that Dark Souls 2 um, like hood that's meant to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's like, all right, going to pull this down uh, because I've been awake uh, now for 18 hours and I can't handle this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's amazing what what lack of sleep will do to you, and you want to see this. So you go to duckstream.tv forward slash duckstream, uh, get all the information, and uh, please tune in, um, mm-hmm. and please uh, give if you're able to. Yeah. Uh, lots of cool stuff. Real, uh, the person who gives us the highest single donation gets a bunch of unique things. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a package of material from live shows. Yes. So like booth material, signs, uh, games we played for live shows. Um Things that are generally related that we're going to send you. So it's a really kind of cool package of unique things. Um, a big vinyl sign mm-hmm. of the Watch Out for Fireballs logo, all that stuff. So the highest single donation we get gets a huge care package from us, yes. as well as uh, other stuff, um, getting out some signed uh, Souls of Darknesses. Um, you can pick a game that we do for Check It Out Comrade mm-hmm. or a song we do for Teenage Dirtbags. Yep. Uh, um, you can pick a horror game that I stream for Hexcrank. Yeah. Yeah. So giving giving you guys a little bit of control and it's all for a super good cause. Yes. So, so again, uh, as you're hearing this, it is this weekend, um, the 11th through the th- through the 13th. We the would love to see you. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, please, please tune in yes. at uh, twitch dot, uh, twitch dot TV forward slash Duckfeed. Duckfeed TV. TV. Yes. Like uh, two TVs there. Mm-hmm. So it's a dual, dual TV system. <laughs> yep. It's stereo. <laughs>
My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro games podcast. Yes. And this week, we are talking about Bastion, which is an action RPG developed by Supergiant Games and published by Warner Brothers for the Xbox 360, PS3, and PC in 2011. Yeah. Like, uh, pretty recent for us, mm-hmm. but pretty old by, like indie game uh kind of revolution standards you know yes like this is in that wave after like the super meat boying <laughs> kind of you know yeah uh, this yeah. First, first new wave of really high production values very beautiful indie games yes and this is actually a poll winner we recently ran a poll of some of the previous games that had lost out in previous mm-hmm. polls um and uh this one won by a fairly large margin tell them large margin sent you. you yeah yeah, it's all is you know Bastion, God of War, and Hadad. Last season's losers, um, and Bastion won. And I'm really happy because when we did the uh, the action RPG uh, poll, what was this up against? Cool. What actually won? Um, oh gosh, this was it won Soul against uh, no, no, that was not Soul oh. Reaver. Um, okay. Soul, Soul Reaver won against Enslaved, which was the game I wanted to win that time. This was up against uh, Brave Fencer Musashi, uh, which oh, okay. boy, oh boy, talk about going back and killing <laughs> Hitler when he was a baby. <laughs> Like, if we didn't have to do that, I would have had a much more comfortable two weeks. It was gonna be, yeah, it was gonna be either or. So we love, we love the polls. It is good, like those make good episodes. But it is nice uh, sometimes to do a game that uh, we both really want to do, yep. um, and have that have that correspond with a poll, right? You know, and it doesn't have like a, an elite beat agent style chalice attached to it, like poison rimmed <laughs> chalice um, to drink down that uh, that sweet sweet rhythm heaven. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, in this game, you play as the kid. Uh, you are a marshal from the land of uh, Salandia um, who wakes up after a calamity destroys the world. And uh, the game is about trying to find a way to fix things. Um, the game is about a lot of things, mm-hmm. but that is the uh, the the liminal level narrative is, right. it is restoring the bastion, yes, restoring the world. The thrust of what you are kind of trying to do. You're going around trying to get these cores and stuff. And the majority of the game is this kind of top-down, isometric, uh, fast-paced action RPG uh, where you're fighting through levels to retrieve these and then kind of upgrading your home base in this act razor kind of way. But, but Gary and Cole, don't <laughs> you hate isometric games? Well, here's the thing. Is that like you... If you if well, you move in the direction you press, right. that solves like ninety percent of the problem with isometric action games. Right, and this is this is effectively just a top down thing where things happen to be oriented in the uh, uh, you know in a diagonal kind of fashion. Yeah, it's uh, it it works. Yeah, great. I didn't like, gripe about Foreside when we talked about Earthbound again for similar reasons. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's just that pressing up and going to the upper right thing, which destroys those games mm-hmm. uh, for us. But this this uh, actually works really really well. Yeah. Also, this is fast and fluid in a way that a lot of isometric games uh, tend not to be. Oh yeah, I, this uh, this playthrough that I did for this time, like I really kind of engaged in like dodging and parrying and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that I didn't the first time I played. Yeah, so, this like, is the first is... post Souls. Uh, play through a bastion that i've done actually it is and it has uh kind of has estus and has like this uh boy souls um even though that was like essentially jars from from zelda anyway right, right. um so a couple things uh that are, this game is known for like kind of uh i guess like the gimmicks mm-hmm. uh for this the biggest one is that uh bastion has a dynamic narrator that describes what you're doing and uh everything you do right um so the game is narrated uh and this gives you kind of this is where your your background details come on the world as you mm-hmm. are exploring it yeah it was an expl- explicitly a choice to have this happen um because they didn't want to make people read uh, a lot of uh kind of item descriptions uh things like that um, i love and, it oh like, it's great it, it works so well it's i mean we i've talked about when we i think when we did bioshock like i like audio logs because i want to be able to play while i learn this stuff mm-hmm. you know a dragon age style codex 
<laughs> a, a Bioshock style audio log? Yes. Like, yeah. let me move while listening to a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and also, this is the, I don't even have to like trigger it. It just happens. Even though I know it's going to happen, it's kind of unexpected because like, okay, you're going to fall off the level and then the narrator is going to say something embarrassing, but it changes depending on the level. Oh, those peers are super slippy. Got to yeah. <laughs> super slippery. Got to watch yeah. your step. Super slippy. <laughs> You, yeah. got the, you got the tone for him just down. Yeah. It's a super silly slippy slide. You know? <laughs> yep. It's a real goof em up. Yep. Um, <laughs> what could be greater than golf with a gator? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. The kid joins the goof troop. Um, <laughs> but yeah. but um, it is like, like this is the narration equivalent of Shadow of the Colossus's dynamic soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it responds to everything you do in a very impressive way. Um, and it kind of baits you into doing things too. Like I love one of the very early on one where like you learn that you can smash stuff and there is an area where you don't have to smash things. There are just a lot of things around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're just kind of like, I'm going to smash crates. It's a video game. And like the narrative is like the kid just rages for a while. And it's like, well, that's not really what I was doing, but that is like a diegetic explanation yeah, for what's it, happening. It like, fits into the world. Like he wakes up and his, everything he knows is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Very, very, very cool. Um, The other kind of big gimmick to this is that the world builds itself as you walk through it. Um, You approach the edge of uh, an island and bridges kind of form below you like Magneto walking through his mountain prison (laughs) or his his mountain-like sanctuary. Whatever, wherever Magneto lives in X-Men 1, uh, he does this. We just recorded that Days of Future cast episode uh, (laughs) on that. And it just, uh, as Magneto walks, things come up below him exactly like Bastion. Yeah. And uh, this serves the purpose of uh, eliminating the need for a mapping system, because if if land exists, you've already been there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, if you need to know where to go, you put you just walk near the edges of things and it tells you where to go. Yeah, because it's not uh, there's no maze elements to this, really. Like some levels have some nonlinearity to them, but it is not um, that's not important. Right. Um, And that is the gimmick for the first half of the game and then gets changed uh, in the second half of the game. Yeah. Um, There are areas you'll go to that don't have this this gimmick. This is explicitly um, part of the area affected by the calamity as this property. Yeah. Um, this is also a very pretty game. Um, it's oh, yeah. simple and it's very well animated. Supergiant knows their shit when it comes to this. Um, mm-hmm. It's a uh, 2D, uh, so it's kind of got this flat design to it, but uh, the animation is done kind of in this uh, 3D, almost rotoscoped kind of way. So as you rotate and turn and do your attacks, it's very fluid, um, very uh, kind of responsive, even on the enemies and stuff. And this is a colorful game. Like, like I think I think this looks significantly better uh, than Braid. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is like, I mean, they have kind of similar color schemes to them, yeah. uh, but it doesn't look like it's animated by like a new grounds <laughs> thing. Like it, like this, it's actually like, it's the way everything moves in the space looks great. It looks more like a living cartoon than like a flash animation to sell me insurance, you know? <laughs> hey, wait um, a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right I've done, um, <laughs> I've done plenty of animation to sell people insurance come on buddy burns me up inside um including the uh the biggest insurance uh nuclear detonation by way of metaphor for relationship the, the subgenre that is bastion and braid um yeah i didn't want to make that comparison because i thought it would make you prickly but <laughs> oh no i like I, I like this much more than i like braid oh yeah um the uh and it, partly because i think it is prettier and more fluid and just oh, like yeah. looks yeah. Looks more like a beautiful moving picture mm-hmm. than that. Yeah, um, and yeah. It, it's not just a it's not just a pretty face. No, there is a ton of mechanical intricacy in this. There are lots of systems, and this is uh, kind of the action game with some of the most player choice that I've seen. Like this, even like one up something like uh, like Bioshock almost. Yeah, yeah. 
I would say, I mean, significantly more so. Yeah, like the yeah. the thing, you know, so there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, and this this actually plays into one of the weird things about it, or I mean, not necessarily a downside, but like a weird thing about it that we'll talk about mm-hmm. is that you are finding new weapons the entire game. Right. Um, you can have two weapons equipped, a, a ranged weapon and a, and a close-up weapon, and yeah. one special move. They can be mixed up. You can have two ranged weapons if you want. It's just oh, advised yeah. to uh, to have a ranged and, ah, uh, gotcha. and a close-up. Yeah. Yeah. So you can you can equip two different two different weapons, but you're still finding them at the the last level of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're still finding new weapons. So what this uh, kind of means is that like there is um, an uh, urge, at least for me, to like find one and kind of master it. You know, like I like mm-hmm. getting getting my final weapon early. Yeah. Um, and this uh, this doesn't happen. Um, so, but the nice thing is you're never going to find like I have a sword. Here is a better sword. Right. Um, Every weapon has its own gimmick, its own little, like, literal mechanics. Like, this is, you know, this one is about tapping something at a rhythm. This is a charge weapon. This is a tap-as-fast-as-you-can weapon, Mm -hmm. etc. And they all fill very distinct roles that I think the game is masterful at teaching you. (laughs) Like, they're each introduced in a level that is perfect for that weapon. Right. Um, You don't have to use that weapon, but it's perfect for that weapon. So, Mm -hmm. like, it has the the effect of, like, the entire, like, first two-thirds of this game kind of feeling like a tutorial Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, but like a really, really good one. Yes. Yeah. And like, it's very forgiving in that sense. Like if you pick up something like the war machete and you think, man, I really just wish I had my hammer back. You'll go through a small stretch with a new item and then it'll give you an armory if you want to switch back. Yeah. 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 Most, most times I I do think that like committing you to a weapon for a level Mm -hmm. is a design decision that I don't think we get a lot of. Mm-hmm. in this game like being able to switch at any time like depending on the situation wouldn't have hurt things that much mm-hmm. rather than make you switch at a, at a at a base yeah you know because i would like to be able to switch back i would like to be able to oh i don't like this machete uh switch back to my hammer and mm-hmm. then get to something that would be good for the machete you know mm-hmm. and then you can kind of have these elements of, of levels that are a little bit like puzzles yeah you know finding the right tool for the job uh, yeah. but this is that's a minor complaint yeah um having two of them like they don't synergize at all they don't interact with each other but Mm -hmm. like you're kind of assigning yourself different levels of coverage and a different pace of attack in a different range Mm -hmm. of attack as well um and so like uh it it accommodates both your own style of play like what you're comfortable with do i want to attack fast or do i want to attack slow um and also accommodate these kind of varied challenges that the game is going to throw at you yeah you can also specialize in a weapon through upgrades right and stuff so weapons are swapped at armories and upgraded at forges uh, that you find in your in your home base, um, you find these kind of crafting ingredients outside, but it's not a crafting system like you know a nightmare crafting system like video games have. <laughs> um, it is uh, <laughs> like instead, it's just you find an upgrade material. Yeah. It may as well just be you know a plus one to this thing. Right. But the upgrade paths are actually awesome because they are five uh, mutually exclusive upgrades. Right. So you, even within your weapons, so not only are you choosing which weapon you want to specialize in, you're choosing what you want to concentrate on. Like, is mm-hmm. this something where I want? To really focus on critical hits uh, is this something where I want to focus on attack speed. Mm-hmm. You know, how am I going to make up that damage? And they're all good. Yeah. Like, there aren't bad weapons in this game, really. Mm. Um, you just find, you know. Those bellows. <laughs> I, the, bell, the bellows are kind of good. They're, they're, more, really they're, they're more situational. They, they're more they, situational. They, they, they fall into the video game flame, uh, flamethrower. Uh, yeah problem but but with the right upgrades like because at near the end of the game i went through and just spent all of my upgrades for weapons i wasn't using mm-hmm. just to test and see what the kind of later upgrades were and yeah, like yeah. any weapon properly upgraded is totally doable mm-hmm. um and and really viable like it, it has that feeling of like dark souls where there's <laughs> not uh you know there's just the weapon that's right for you right you know right. you can get through with anything yeah and just like the the you you and the weapon can grow together 
mm-hmm. um, both at the same time and towards each other based on the choices that you're making. And even like, okay, well, the, the hammer is what I have for doing a lot of damage at once. Let me take this spear and then like upgrade it with like damage over time kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, things yeah. like that. So you can even like specialize them even further to be more situationally viable um, yes, as which, it goes which along. Is a- it's a way I wish that you could just switch them out, you know, yeah. being able to switch to my poison, you know, poison spear for the situation. Like, I think that would have been really neat. Yeah. Um, they kind of train you in these and get upgrade materials. Each weapon has a proving ground. Um, so this is a, a challenge that's related to the weapon with different goals to hit. Um, and these are kind of awesome because they're mm-hmm. multi-purpose things. Uh, they teach you how to use the, they're like an advanced class in the weapon. Like mm-hmm. when you get the weapon, kind of the one-on-one level thing. These are the advanced class. No. Um, you, the reward is either uh, upgrade materials or a special skill mm-hmm. um, that is only used for that weapon if you clear it. And then these are real-world situations. So because of the like very elegant way that Bastion tells its story, or does its world-building is probably a, a better way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, for this part, it is you're getting these like really interesting little details of these side sets of society. Yeah, these uh, uh, guilds or factions within the Ceylandia armed forces, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, depending, like sometimes it's like a dump. You know, like it's various different parts of the world. Um, so there's like a reason to do these, even if you're never going to use the weapon. Like you should go visit Spearland at least once, even if you're <laughs> never going to use the spear. Yeah. Um, and these are kind of arranged in uh, bronze, silver and gold. So mm-hmm. if you don't feel like mastering this weapon and sometimes mastering the weapon requires upgrading it to a certain point, like yeah. you can finish the bronze and get most of what you need out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick detour here. I couldn't find a better place to put this. That combat roll, Gary. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, this elevates this above just kind of like a standard Zelda kind of thing. It's so useful. Yeah, you have a really, really good dodge roll, mm-hmm. and I mean, and the the parry, which we I alluded to a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't use at all the first time I played. Right. Well, it seems so finicky, but like yeah. understanding how like how wide you, when... the uh, the the windows are. Yeah, it's actually excellent, and yeah. it's and for later game challenges, um, like. There is a kind of an endless mode thing mm-hmm. that you do in this uh, this game. It's not quite endless, but there's like a 30 wave, like a wave based arena section of yeah, the game. Yeah. Um, that's what makes the end of that doable mm-hmm. is pairing because pairing hurts enemies just to do it mm-hmm. um, in addition to stunning them. Yeah. And uh, the um, timing is really good. It, the combat system is actually like I found uh, incredibly satisfying once you kind of get used to it. Yeah. I think that there's a there's a little bit of a, a problem with feedback, both audio and visual. Um, just because mm-hmm. if you're being hit, there's not really like a, like a sound that indicates that. Um, and there's also like, not like a controller kick or anything. Yeah. So I could be like taking a lot of damage. Um, visually, I think the characters are just a little bit too small on the screen, to be honest. Um, yeah. you know, especially if you're doing like I do and sitting back, um, playing this in a living room, uh, kind of, kind of situation. Um, I, it's not a deal breaker for me. You just have to kind of get used to it and figure out what you're trying to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, the, the first point I, I would acquiesce, it feels a little bit like super punch out to me where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, like, I don't know that I'm taking damage. The second point, like, I just played this on my computer and the sizing mm-hmm. was great. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think that this was, I mean, this was clearly made before Steam Big Screen or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, this it, was, it probably... was originally a console game. Like, it was meant to be played in this in this kind of back, uh, laid back kind of thing. And I had a similar problem back then as well. Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird like it's a kind of a then I guess it probably is like a thing because it mm-hmm. it plays definitely fine if you're you know you're sitting a foot and a half away from your your monitor mm-hmm. you know yeah um yeah the um so there are also um there are a lot of these again these little systems and one of the things I like about them is that there's this complex kind of uh, interplay between them but none of them are they're all very easy to understand yes. like 
So distilleries uh, allow you to pick perks. Yep. You have uh, liquors. Uh, that you can... <laughs> it says a lot about the world, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that you you can drink, and as you level up, you can drink more liquors, mm-hmm. um, and they all give you just different uh, different kind of benefits. Yeah. Um, that again lend themselves to different kinds of builds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you um, can use those to either uh, shore up a weakness or just kind of like lean into like this weird like min maxi kind of thing. Like most strategies that I saw, um, like dealt with like wear whiskey um mm. and uh and what that did when you were uh at low health um it's also a red eye ring yeah yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> the uh the, the names of these things like this is kingdom of loathing tier uh liquor puns or mm-hmm. cocktail puns uh stab synth is my favorite one <laughs> yeah stab synth is really good yeah. and some of them are just like lunkhead liquor yeah <laughs> like yeah. So, some of them are, are are pretty pretty good and then some of them are just just <laughs> description yeah yeah, um, well, like, but, a, uh, like a lunkhead is just a thing. So I'm just like, do they make that from gator squeezins? I don't understand. Yeah, I, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but it is a thing. Whenever you pick up a new one, it gives you a little like flavor talks about mm-hmm. what it does, um, and the the effects there are very you know very very widely. Yeah. Um, you know, like one of the ones that um, I always wanted to find room for but didn't have room for in my build is the fall damage one. Yeah. yeah. Because there is one of the downsides of that isometric angle is occasionally you will fall in a pit and not know that you're going to fall in a pit. Mm-hmm. Um, Versely, the game if that was death like. I w- this game would have that'd be a huge problem. Yes, um, but instead you just fall again from the sky and take a little bit of damage. It's and like there a is Zelda a, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a there's a liquor that reduces that damage to more or less uh, negligible. Yeah, you have a you little know, bit of uh, control over where you fall to, so you can actually take that and turn it into like a death from above kind of thing. If yeah, you can you can Goomba yeah. stomp, yep. guys. <laughs> and uh, that that falling uh, liquor makes your Goomba stomps do more damage. So like yeah. falling off the world becomes kind of a strategy. <laughs> it's like, super cool. Yeah. Have them like, just like trick them into uh, pushing you off the edge to, to group up and then follow them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, the choice extends to the Bastion. As I mentioned, the act razor kind of thing that very much like that, that began, like that was the initial concept for this was kind of building this town out. Um, mm-hmm. But as you go and find these cores and eventually later shards, uh, you decide which order to first build these different uh, these different buildings that provide different functions, um, then also upgrade them to get kind of extra utility out of them. Um, yeah. And so, like, you get enough materials to get everything, but, like, you can decide what's important for you. Like, I want to have this available to me for more time. Um, yeah. And... Uh, ultimately like like that is that is important that is a big effect but it gives you something else to like make a decision between two or three options yeah yeah it's it's a game where you're constantly making limited skill decisions Mm -hmm. but that are actually meaningful like you don't have tons of options it's not like a world of of possibilities it's uh but the choices you make are incredibly important yeah you know like do you want this advantage for the stretch of the game or do you want this other advantage or uh, this challenge, because mm-hmm. one of the, my favorite things this game does is is uh, player adjusted difficulty uh, really well through this uh, the shrine, which allows you to add uh, kind of mutators to your enemies in order to get additional XP. Yeah, um, it's like and, do you just not want to be able to roll? <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're, they're devastating. Yep. And one of the, I mean the game is so good for this because it's like <laughs> one um, you know so if you're playing it again, uh, you're rewarded like you're going to. It's it's not a strict just challenge mode. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the Covenant of Cha- Heroes or whatever, Covenant of Champions. Like, it actually, you'll get more experience, you'll get more powerful quicker, yeah. um, kind of taking on these challenges. Um, the flavor-wise, the way it's presented um, as the, these are gods <laughs> from this world that are all uh, dead or forgotten or kind of commodified. And uh, you're taking you find a toy of one literally is the first one you find Um, and, you know, you're you're activating them. But when you die, instead of just saying, like, do you want to restart? The game says, do you want to restart without those things on? Right. You know, like you can come back to this and try it without the difficulty because this is harder than you thought. 
Yeah. Um, and this is something that they did in Transistor, which is their follow-up. Um, this is something that I see in a couple of uh, of other other games, and I always love it. There's a game called uh, an iOS uh, uh, tower defense game called Dungeon Warfare that I've been playing. That's like pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and they have the, this exact system. Nice. Almost where you just uh, switch on modifiers for XP, and that one gives you negative ones as well, which is really cool. Like makes things easier, but you get less XP. Yeah. Um, so you can really balance exactly how hard you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And if one of these seems particularly devastating, that previous choice actually comes into effect. You can just build around and kind of like minimally yes. obviate the uh, the downside of, uh, of that thing or just change up your strategy. Like you don't even have to make a choice around it. Just kind of like, oh, this is going to change what tonics I use, etc. Yeah. Um, and before you go into the next point that's in the notes, um, mm-hmm. another thing I really love about this is the uh, the way the game handles kind of diegetic in-game achievements. Yes. And I wish I wish all games would do this Mm -hmm. because if if, so achievements like I have very complicated feelings on achievements. (laughs) If the idea is the most charitable thing you can say about them, like the the argument I'll buy in favor of them the most, even if I won't totally buy it, is it gets you playing the game in a different way. Yep. Like, uh, hey, jump over three guys instead of one. And then, like, we're going to give you an Achievo. There's all kinds of bullshit that happens instead. Like, oh, you completed chapter one achievement. Yeah, yeah. You know, that I hate those. Um, I hate the idea of, like, them being, like, their interface, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you're playing the game, and then you get this dumb little pop-up that says, like, you know, uh, Death from Above or something like, you know, just something stupid that you did. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, quit fucking taking me out of the game to show me this. Like, I, I hate them. But if they were all handled like this, where, like, they're stories. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you do these things, like, you kind of retell these legends or enact these uh, these aspects of the world, you get a mechanical benefit. Um, so you you are paid for this. You get uh, the currency for doing this. You can see what they all are like in game, you know, by looking at this. I, I can't remember what it's called. It's not. The, uh, it's like the memorial. It's not the shrine. It's it's something yeah. different. I I didn't. I, I was going to make this very point about this being achievements. The last time I did it, it kind of it. it <laughs> you didn't respond to it. Um, but uh, but yeah, like it, it like that is very well put. The last time I did it, I didn't respond to it. Oh no, just kind of like it was. It, it was kind of like, oh, I just I don't buy it. Like he, here, it, it totally it totally fits it in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, th- yeah th- this totally works yeah. for me as a way to do achievements, and I wish all video games just had this um, because it, it. To my mind, this is so much better. This is how I want to pursue achievements. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a mechanical benefit. It's not just for like if I'm comparing my gamer peen to other people, mm-hmm. and it's not giving them out for nothing, which is like by far my least favorite thing that they do. Yeah. You know, you don't just get them for progressing through the game. Like, you probably will, but they kind of obfuscate that. It's not just the, you know, you I mean, watch this cutscene, good they're, job. They're separate from the platform um, achievements yes. as well. Like, there's, like this is something that is kind of built into the game. I'm not sure if, if they're actually, like, tied to those. This is more just kind of individual, like, little milestones or meta missions that you can do or just kind of tracking progress on, oh, you destroyed a certain number of enemies or you used this item for a certain number of times, uh, things like that. Like, these are very obviously uh, criteria that the developers decided were important for the game, um, mm-hmm. and they laid them out in a way that was kind of, like, separate. Uh, like, they're signaling this is important by by not just making that part of the system chrome. Yeah. Well, and, and some of them also are will get you going out of your way. Yeah. You know, or it's for like mastery of a certain weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are things that are more specific that you're just not going to get, which is, yeah. I think is the cool thing about it. Um, and the fact that the money is significant, like, you know, the currency you get from these actually like made me be able to improve my character and buy things like I wanted to hunt them out, not just because I'm a completionist, you know, but because I actually got an in-game benefit right. for it. it made a big difference. Yeah. So. Yeah. For sure. Um, 
so i think that's most of the stuff we can get at the bastion like some of the things are just like a general shop that kind of collects uh either upgrade items or mementos that you didn't find and those mementos are pretty important because uh the story presentation and music oh god gary the music um, yeah the music's really good <laughs> they're, uh they're all very poignant like it, it is a very stylish uh stylish game you get the main thrust uh just by kind of going into the narration if you want to get more detail you can either do those proving grounds um or uh read the descriptions when you go to hand stuff to people uh when you present a memento like one of these little story items to different npcs uh you get backstory about the world and because you know your npcs are from different perspectives you get kind of different accounts of the same kind of things um, and all of it is very, uh, like, this is a very depressing place again, because the world has ended and you are the last four people alive. Yeah. And it was depressing beforehand too. Right. Like you get a sense of it and it was, uh, you know, not, not doing great. And we'll, we find out why. Yeah. Um, yeah. Presentation is huge here. Uh, it is, it is really, really really special yeah um so this is you know the the gatekeepers of retro are going to say this is not old enough um you know it's five years old which it's, it's older than you thought and it makes sense for retrospective because like, it's not like um no one's you know anyone's gonna be talking about this mm-hmm. and two in the world of like indie kind of jams and the indie uh, kind of like push or revolution or something like that this might as well be forever ago <laughs> right you know that's that space moves much quicker yeah like it's not 2008 like uh like bastion or 2004 like cave story like cave story is real you know fucking primordial like yeah. like this is you know like big developers like these are people who left ea uh from developing the uh, the red alert franchise um to kind of like be some of the first to go to people the... The one place capitalism can't reach. <laughs> Xbox Live Arcade. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to get Tim Curry like Xbox Live Arcade. <laughs> yeah. But th- yeah, but this was a part of like the summer of arcade, which is a like a huge thing. I remember the first one of those. Like that was really exciting. And that puts it alongside like Castle Crashers, Limbo Brothers. Brothers yeah. is one of these things too. Like like this was like this benefited from um digital distribution finally becoming kind of ubiquitous and yeah. uh and and like promoted not just on somebody's website but actually alongside the Mountain Dew and Doritos ads and you know NFL football stuff on the front page of these uh, of these consoles. Yeah. Yeah. Um so and this there's tons of versions of this this has been ported for more or less everything. I think a new version just came out um for either the Xbox 1 um, I just remember saying, oh like, yeah sport. i saw that as well a uh, kind of continuing our streak of whenever we plan to talk about something it ends up in the news yeah <laughs> um there's an ios version of this that's more or less unplayable yeah um, and skeptical yeah yeah um and plays then, in uh, chrome browser which is which is kind of neat mm-hmm. yeah um and this uh this company Supergiant, um has j- released a follow-up in 2004 called transistor 2014 uh, 2014 at least you. decades too yeah. Um, and then uh, they have a new game coming out next year called Pyre. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, these guys are are batting a thousand. Yep. Um, we did. Um, you can listen to the Check It Out Comrade episode on Transistor if you want to hear me talk sugar about that. Yep. Um, I actually like Transistor a little bit more than I like Bastion. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, mechanically, whereas I think Bastion is a much stronger story. Yeah. Um, but Transistor is awesome. This company is great. Yeah. And uh, and I, I spoiler like I really love Bastion. Yeah. Um, and it stood up for this the second playthrough uh, real, quite a bit for me. I'm, I'm real curious about Pyre actually. Um, yeah, I, think, me too. I think that uh, just that multiplayer focus seems kind of interesting. Yeah. I I too am curious and uh, and looking forward to uh, to checking it out. Yeah. Um. Literally and and, <laughs> and like proper noun checking it out and checking it out uh, just with my hands and brain and eyes. <laughs> 
cool. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the plot. <laughs> well, Gary, uh, we're going to get to a lot of the plot because it gets a little bit complicated, but I'll give you the setup at the very least. Um, so this walled kingdom of Ceylandia has been at war with this underground kingdom of Yura, um, kind of off and on since everyone can remember. Um, and through escalation, misfortune, and sabotage, uh, a calamity resulted, this horrible thing that fractured both kingdoms um, and possibly all the known world. Um, and flung them into the sky again in this uh, in this metaphor for nuclear war. Yeah, yeah. I think there's an ending part that kind of implies that it's not all the underworld. The, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we do, we don't know that starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, and our hero, who's just called the kid, uh, wakes up in his bed, floating on a small rock in the sky, um, and he kind of runs along, makes his way through. Um, these fragments rise to to meet him uh, of the world kind of literally being rebuilt. And we learn about his backstory, uh, but initially all we really know is he was once a marshal who tended to the walls. Uh, so he was involved in this war, and now he's setting out to fix the world. Right. And so we kind of begin with this opening, this uh, this wonderful thing. It, it begins like a, like a generic JRPG where, like, he's laying in bed until you move. Um, mm-hmm. With our narrator saying that you know proper sport, uh, proper st- yeah, proper story is supposed to begin at the beginning, uh, but that is not the case with this one. Um, yep. As you kind of get up, I love that image of him just sleeping on the small rock in the middle of the yeah. sky. Uh, it's super great, and it's a wonderful way. Like it gives you a doorway, it shows you where you're supposed to walk, and then as you go, like the music picks up, the narration picks up, you find your weapon, and then just kind of the like the whole experience kind of closes in and starts guiding you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that uh, you know the the kid, this giant hammer and stuff. Like I wish that this had a bigger merchandising push <laughs> than it, than it did. Like I would love a little action figure of this guy. Oh yeah. Um, they made, um, there's gas bag. There's like a plush one that's been sold out since I knew about this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is very, very cool. And the only piece of like little, like, you know, cutesy gamer trash I've ever, ever been able to get from it was, uh, one of the packs I went to, they gave out uh, headbands. Mm. So I had, a, I had a headband I would never wear in a thousand mm, years, not right. because I, I don't like Bastion, but because like, that's my cool gaming headband. headband. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my cool gaming bandana. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, so I did, they gave me a gaming bandana and I didn't wear it. Um, but I would love to have a little action figure of this guy yeah. or a little like, you know, plastic uh, stand. Cause he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I love the kid, uh, using his gigantic hammer. Yeah. Um, we're going to kind of, uh, cool, uh, good, good on you. Setting up the notes <laughs> this way, um, of one, uh, tackling the proving grounds for a weapon. Once we get the weapon, and talking about just the weapons as we get them. Yes. So this, uh, we're so we're talking about the kale hammer, the first weapon you get. We're going to talk about the proving ground for that, even though you don't get access to it until after this level. Right. Um, um, j- just because those proving grounds are pretty much demonstrations of very effective ways to use these things. Yeah. Um, yeah so the so the kale hammer, the sail hammer, it's it's kind of weird because uh, it's Zaylandia Sa- sail. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, uh, this deals more damage if you're not moving when you attack. Uh, which I think is a wonderful way to do this because it kind of teaches you, it, it builds in a benefit for not being overly aggressive. Enemies are going to move toward you, and then it's more of like a timing kind of thing. Yeah, and ultimately you'll you get um, the the powers you can get for this lend themselves to that. You get one for blocking for a certain amount of time. You can do a kind of a charged attack, mm-hmm. um, which leads to you being uh, stationary. Um, this is the weapon I used for. 80 percent of the game yeah uh, as my melee weapon um just because again that urge to get used to things and it's it's not necessarily it's not like a, a nail in the coffin like bad flaw mm-hmm. of, of the game but there is an element of like you know it does feel like i said the first two-thirds kind of feel like a tutorial for a bigger game mm-hmm. i don't want the game to be bigger the game can't have a sequel like it, it's <laughs> like you know the ending like the, this is 
this game never can get a sequel. Um, so the uh, there is an element of like, oh, I wish I would have like been incentivized a little bit to fuck around with some of the other weapons. Mm-hmm. Like I could have, and I got a chance to try them all, but I just ended up going back to the thing I was used to. Yeah. It's a, again, it's a Bioshock problem. There are just going to yeah. be plasmids you never use because you like the ones you have. Yeah. So it's a good problem to have. They do they do a good job of trying to incentivize you to diversify. But I think if I could switch weapons at any time, that would have done a little bit for that. Yeah. I hate to keep harping. This the third time I brought that up. I hate to, <laughs> I'll stop harping on it. But yeah. it was like in playing it and having such an amazing time, I was like actively like, what would make this better? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not like this isn't quite portal perfect, but what would make like, why not? Yeah. Like, what are the little things that would actually get it to that point? And mm-hmm. that's one of the things I can think of. And it's frustrating because they will give you an armory in the middle of some levels, but it is very much kind of just like, okay, we want you to be able to switch because we just gave you a new weapon. Like, yeah. so if you want to go back after we have forced you to kind of use this for a little bit, then you have this here. So like it's, it's in there, it's built, but it's very heavily controlled. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the proving ground for this, uh, it's a scrapyard. Like this is, <laughs> this is where civilians can work to help break down uh garbage essentially. And mm-hmm. you have to destroy 100 items as fast as you can. It's like a little rage room. Yeah. And it's tricky. Like, uh, it's hard to do, but this, since this was my weapon, I managed to, to get the, the gold yeah. on it. Um, so you're, you're kind of moving through this, um, you know, narrator, like, uh, you see what he sees, what's left of the ripping walls years undone in the calamity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you're just kind of seeing the destruction of this. There's junk everywhere. Like there's literal masonry falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you're walking through the story that came before. Yes. Um, and you're being attacked by these, uh, kind of former slave monsters, uh, that have kind of gone rogue. These, uh, these gas fellows, these are part of a species that like most of the enemies that we're going to find in the city, um, kind of rose from them. And there's a cool beat later on that shows kind of like where they come from and how they relate to the magic that kind of powers this world. Yeah. Um, but this is kind of your basic enemy. They attack with pickaxes, um, and they kind of, uh, it's more of a timing thing than anything. Like they're very satisfying to, uh, to, to, to roll encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. The, the the cool thing about these enemies is they are all the same species, just different stages mm-hmm. of growth. Um, it also gets uh, one of the criticisms that you could lay at this game is like, oh, you end up fighting the same thing over and over. But they do the thing that I've been harping on lately in podcast about like changing layouts or changing mm-hmm. kind of configurations of enemies to make them more interesting. Yeah. And then you get to the second half of the game and everything is different. Yeah. Like it actually does a really good like, oh, I, mean, like, I have to get used to an entirely new set of like ecosystems and, and enemies it's a it's a game in three acts like you start in the city where you're fighting a lot of these guys you go to the wilds it's pretty much a mostly different set of challenges and then when you get to the era like it is like like that is the 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 final exam for what you've been preparing for you know yeah yeah, yeah. totally different uh totally different enemies and much you know much harder mm-hmm. um so we're introduced to our uh our range weapon here our first range weapon the thing repeater Yes. Uh, this is a machine crossbow, uh, and the kind of gimmick for this is it cannot be fired while moving. You have to yeah. stay still while firing it. Yes, uh, kind of, uh, again, this paired up with the Kale Hammer um, makes you kind of a stationary turret. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to get more mobile, more fluid stuff later on. Um, this one, so the game has a lock-on uh, feature that I have a kind of a complicated relationship with. Uh, I understand that there's not really a great way to do this kind of thing. Like there's just not enough uh, readily accessible buttons. Picking a uh, an enemy or locking onto the correct one out of a whole bunch of them is a little bit difficult. That is a thing that, especially on PC, when people play with a mouse and keyboard or gamepad, like it's either optimized. Um, they either find the ranged combat easier or the melee combat easier, depending on it. 
and mm-hmm. regardless like one of them isn't going to feel as good as the other i don't really think that the ranged weapons work especially well um, especially if you have to use them with a lot of precision very early on or uh, uh very quickly rather i for me it depends on which weapon it is yeah like i don't think these things work great um the the bow that we get after this i think works great mm-hmm. um, i have no problem with that yeah. and then uh some of the weapons um you know you're not doing precise shots mm-hmm. Um, so like things like the shotgun or the uh, the dual pistols, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to hit every hit. You're yep. just kind of sending a bunch of bullets in the air. And like those work fine for me yep. uh, with a controller. I've never tried playing it with mouse and keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know uh, yeah. what that would feel like. It, it feels like a, a controller game to me. Me too. Um, but the, this weapon, uh, for you know, right, wrong or whatever, ended up being something I didn't use very often. Um, there are upgrades that make it cooler and better. Yeah. Um, um, the uh, the proving ground for this, the trapper shingle, is actually really cool um, because you're supposed to destroy a large number of targets, but the path is kind of falling down behind you. So it's kind yes. of teaching you when to make a decision about where to post up and for how long. So you can continue like making progress um, in spite of the fact that this thing kind of pins you down as you're trying it. Um, and it's either with this or the uh, the twin pistols, but it's also teaching you to reload while moving because mm-hmm. uh, you can, can't shoot while moving, but you can reload. Right. Um, uh, we didn't really talk about the healing system in this game, um, which is essentially, uh, Estus, right. Um, you have three heals, uh, you start out with, you get more by either enemies dropping them or by hitting one of these fountains, mm-hmm. uh, which are a function like bonfires in that respect where they refill your heals. Right. Um, yeah, um so we're introduced to the first of these. Yeah. And they get less effective as you, as you level up as well. They heal a fixed amount, not just the entire, uh, your entire health bar. Um, yeah. so like figuring out how to economize these is very important. And there's uh, liquors that will play into this as well. Like if you yes. want to have an extra, you know, extra couple of heals. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or to heal more with each heal. Yeah. yeah. And there's also Ashenestis, uh, which once we start getting special event, uh, special abilities, that drains those. Yes. Um, it's singular. It's not a meter. It's just, you know, one bottle for, for each use. Yeah. Uh, some things actually I think are two bottles per use. Yeah. I could be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we move into the uh, the Soul Regret Saloon. Um, this is where we're introduced to our shield. This does not take a slot. You always have your shield with you. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, you talk, we're, again, we're learning about this world where we hear about the bartender. We hear about the kid uh, being here before. Yeah. Um, um, you can. So everybody who uh, uh, kind of was affected by the calamity, um, if they weren't just obliterated, they were kind of turned into uh, kind of ash statues. And so I think this guy, you have to disintegrate in order to get the shield. Uh, but the narrator will always comment and sometimes uh, will give you like the name of the person and tell like a little story about, oh, the kid never liked him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, or the, you know, they were good, yeah. you know, and the kid maybe regrets doing it, mm-hmm. you know, um, or, you know, wants to put them out of their misery, put them to rest. Like it contextualizes what you're doing to fit into the relationship. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> so, so here, like you liked Rodney, so you're spreading his ashes. By, yeah. <laughs> by breaking them apart um the bullhead shield uh, like you said you're always going to have that we talked about the counter blocking that is uh, uh something that is again thought it was very finicky it's actually not and it's actually very important if you're dealing mm-hmm. with uh kind of uh larger enemies this is also where we're introduced to the security system enemy right mm-hmm. is that uh is that next uh the turrets um, the, tur- the the turrets deploy here as well okay yeah the um the cool thing about the turrets that unlocked like a big part of the the fun of this game is that when you parry them you send their bullet back to them mm-hmm. so like getting that timing right was like so satisfying <laughs> um of, of parrying turrets and uh and it ended up being really you know you don't want to get hit uh you know obviously you don't want to not have your shield up that's why there are turrets here it's teaching yeah. you to use your shield um it ended up being like a really and you can also reflect uh bullets into other enemies mm-hmm. um enemies can hurt each other 
in this, yeah. which like I love. Like I never really put it together that like that's something I really dig in games. Mm-hmm. But being able to turn systems against each other, um, not that this game has that much in common with Bioshock, but like that is a Bioshock thing as well. Mm-hmm. That's a Doom that kind I, of thing too. Yeah. yeah, Doom. Like a lot of games do that. I really like that. Uh, you know, being able to kind of use blocking and maneuvering to make enemies accidentally hit each other, yeah. um, even if they don't turn on each other, just having them do damage to each other is really, really great. Yeah. So, you know, you can block, make a turret track you, put a bunch of enemies between you and the turret and have the turret attack a bunch of guys <laughs> in the back. Yeah. Um, super cool. Way into it. Um, the proving ground for this is Bullhead Court. The, uh, the, the shield is kind of modeled after this uh, bull god named Pith. Um, it's set up as like, okay, you need to defend yourself from all of these attacks, kind of teaching you to change your angle of dodge or uh, of block rather, um, as it goes along. Um, and the, like the real effective way to do this is to eliminate threats by doing the counter blocks to just, uh, um, stop, stop anything from coming, from coming at you. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 So when you go to a different area, like you jump out the window, uh, whenever you go to a different place, you're going on these skyways and the kid always just lands in a way that would surely break his back. Like he'd pee like <laughs> Peggy Hills. Yeah, he Peggy Hills into this. Um, and you fall on top of the breaker's bow uh, in the wharf dis- uh, district now, um, which uh, gets you like this. This is my jam. This uh, this bow, like up oh, until yeah. I got the uh, the carbine. Um, just that that charge attack is super satisfying and nailing the timing because like, you know, more charge does not equal better than like you will flash white in the middle of a charge. And if you release, then you do just a shitload of damage. Yeah. And that's, that's what the, um, the, the proving ground is for it. Yeah. Where you have to destroy these targets with as few shots as possible. You need to actually use your power shots. Mm-hmm. Um, the breakers bow I ended up using a lot as well and becomes very effective with damage over time because then if you flub and don't do a power shot, mm-hmm. um, you're still getting that poison damage. Yeah. So optimizing this for DOT is like really, really powerful. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is a level that is kind of entirely about these sentry turrets as you go along, mm-hmm. which is great because this, the breaker's bow is wonderful for stationary stuff. Um, and th- this is something that has a lock on as well that just kind of works for me. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, like the lock on system, which we, we kind of talked about its shortcomings without really describing what it is. Right. Um, the game will kind of, kind of, has kind of like a smart lock on yeah. uh, to it. You can switch, uh, targets with it. Um, honestly, I found it best just not to, <laughs> um, mo- like I would say like 80% of the time, 90% of the time it targeted who I wanted to target anyway, mm-hmm. uh, just through kind of like smart facing and stuff. The times when I wanted to target someone else, I would usually just, just lose br- my shot just and, break and readjust. And yeah. Yeah. Break and start. And it ended up being fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, uh, the, the bow actually much better than the repeater. Um, it may be because you have to kind of charge up. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're, you face, you spend all of your time facing that direction. Maybe it gives it more time to kind of calibrate mm-hmm. uh, the target, but I didn't end up having a problem with the targeting with this thing. Yeah. The bow definitely feels better than the, uh, than the repeater does. I think so. Yeah. No. Um, so this is where it introduces kind of the two buildings. It gives you the choice of which one you want to go into, uh, before you proceed, whether or not you want to, um, change your weapon right away, which the bow's great. So don't, uh, or the <laughs> distillery where you can kind of assign yourself a perk for the rest of this level. Yeah. Yeah. And your your perk selection is limited. You're going to buy those, and they're also going to just kind of get unlocked through the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this this ends up kind of a boss encounter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a kind of an arena fight, and they're going to do this a lot. Um, normally, these are a bummer, but the combat in this works so much for me that I kind of liked these wave kind of uh, encounters. The um the big, like, 30-wave thing that you do, the, the kind of coma fantasy <laughs> you go through, I actually really love, Yeah, um, is, like, tense and... You know, took me, you know, I died on it, which is usually a bummer, but I ended up, you know, oh, I wonder how I could make this better, mm-hmm. you know, and then like kind of strategize and really made it work. 
Um, I like these arena fights a lot too. Yep. Um, this one kind of introduces the larger gas fellas who will like fling you up into the air. Um, mm-hmm. and so you have to like catch yourself or else you're going to take damage when you land. Like, you press, yeah, you press like a recover button. Yes. Um, and then also scumbags, which are kind of the very large evolved forms of these guys as they kind of get bloated with squirt. Yep. Um, and, and diet squirt and squirt ruby red. Um, the, uh, about squirt ruby red. Wasn't hey, that just hey, Fresca? Listen, motherfucker, don't, look, don't forget about squirt ruby red. <laughs> squirt uh, ruby red never forgot about you. Yeah, squirt, squirt was there when there's only one set of footprints, buddy. <laughs> so squirt ruby red carried you. Um, no, Fresca is uh, closer to squirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Squirt ruby red was like this weird, like much sweeter squirt. Um, it didn't taste like a red grapefruit, even though like with grapefruit, like when you have like pink grapefruit juice, mm-hmm. or, or I think it was like a thing of pink lemonade. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, like pink lemonade, and it's like why is there regular lemonade? <laughs> I kind of feel like that with like ruby red squirt or like a, like a pink grapefruit thing. Like this is yeah. so much better. Well, one of uh, one of the most upsetting things about the medication I take, uh, there's an em- an enzyme in uh, in grapefruit juice that can, mm-hmm. uh, if if uh, the chemistry is wrong, will interact poorly with uh, my anti anxiety drug, and you'll just like have an allergic reaction and possibly die. So oh, I so I cannot drink anything grapefruit, and I love grapefruit, Gary. That's a bummer. Yeah. It's, it's such a like I'm a big boy breakfast. Like if you just eat a grapefruit for breakfast, it's like oh I'm a businessman flying from Tokyo. Like yep. la di da. I really I've like got that. one of those sharp spoons. <laughs> one of those sharp spoons. <laughs> oh, but like bitter and sour are two of my favorite flavors, and I want it yeah. so bad, but I can't have it. Yeah, grapefruit is good. I'm sorry, you can't uh, can't have grapefruit. Well, or squirt or fresca. Yeah, I love Fresca. Um, yeah, <laughs> I would lose my arm in a, uh, in a in a vending machine for a Fresca, but you won't risk an allergic reaction for a Fresca, right? Yeah. So the um, yeah. the uh, so you know the, it's this is kind of arena battle. Um, as as Cole said, we're going to do a lot of these, so we're not going to go into detail for each right. one unless there's something really noteworthy. But it's just you engaging with that basic combat, which <laughs> I find very satisfying. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, the floor gets pounded away under some of the hammer attacks, which I think is really neat as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um. Yeah, so then you uh, you take this core, uh, and then the area starts falling apart. Whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's a load bearing core, um, and this is going to keep happening. Right, um, you know, you're learning about the power of these cores. Like you are taking the power from this remnant of uh, Ceylandia to bring it back to this bastion. Yeah, so you have to run. Yep, you have to run, and then eventually, like if you if you fall, it's not death. It doesn't like bring you back. You actually fall onto the bastion, which happens to be right below you at that point. And this is this is your home base. Like this is where you kind of find uh, your stranger, the person who's been uh, narrating uh, stuff, Rux. And we're going to learn about Rux. He's a very important uh, character in this world. But as mm-hmm. of right now, he just kind of says, "All right, well, let's set about to rebuild." Yeah, exactly. And at this point, there's no reason not to. Right. You know, like you don't you don't know enough of the story to be like, "Well, whoa, whoa, whoa." Um, <laughs> it's just like this. This is clearly a good thing. Right. Um, and you get your first choice. Uh, each core corresponds to a building you can rebuild. Um, if you want to, you can either rebuild an armory or a distillery. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to be able to switch weapons, uh, or do you want to be able to, uh, drink booze? Right. <laughs> man, yeah. man, killing or drinking. I'm not sure which. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and so this kind of opens up uh, kind of a Mario-esque world map kind of thing uh, where you jump into the Skyway and then you can pick a level. Um, and it kind of uh, introduces these proving grounds that you can go to to get extra rewards. Again, it's worth doing those, but uh, it kind of opens up um, a couple of different areas you can go, you can go to as well. Uh, I just kind of put them down in the order that I took them. Occasionally it gives you a choice, especially here in the beginning. Yeah, and then that kind of flattens out yeah. um, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So uh, moving on to the workman ward. Yeah. There. This is a uh, nonlinear kind of, it puts you at an intersection and there are different neighborhoods you can walk into, um, that have kind of been taken over by these, uh, by these different, uh, enemies. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it intru- um, introduces a weapon that I love, which is this war machete. I didn't get a lot of use out of the war machete. Hmm. Um, I get it though. Like I understand why, it, why it is good. Um, so it is, uh, it's a short, short range weapon that uh, you attack very quickly with, uh, that attacks more or less as fast as you can press the button. Yeah. Um, and if you charge it, you can throw, you can toss it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, that's good if you are doing like a double melee build. I mm-hmm. didn't realize that you could have, you know, just whatever weapon you wanted in both slots. So I could see a build that used the hammer for big damage, use this for regular enemies and then had a melee option yeah. in this or a ranged option in this. I spent a lot of, uh, a lot of the game with this and the, uh, the, um, uh, musket. Mm. Um, so like this would actually give me really quick up close kind of stuff. The musket would let me take out large groups of enemies. If I needed that precision, I could throw this. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty great. Uh, this takes you, uh, to windbag ranch. If you decide to do the proving ground where you have to kill a huge number of enemies as quickly as possible. My least favorite kind of salad dressing. <laughs> like it's very talkative. You just open up yeah. the bottle. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a cousin <laughs> of Pepsi. Excuse me. <laughs> Shut up, creamy Italian. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's it's Pepsi. I've had the worst day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, you just end up having to kill a lot of them really quickly, but you can do that because you have really really fast uh, uh, machete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you run, run into these scumbags, which like just seem like monsters, but this one's name is Gershel. So like <laughs> you eventually learn like, oh, these are citizens of a, of a type. I mean, like it's, it's kind of like the like the mysterious large fish. Oh, like, oh, you got to go out and catch Lockjaw, Yada. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah like the legends of old one eye, <laughs> yep. the sockeye, you know, fish eye. Yeah, the one eyed um, squirt. Yeah. Um, moving on to the squirt steps, which like, <laughs> quit saying squirt narrator. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We're going to get to the peckers eventually. Yeah. The peckers and the elephant squirt. Like, <laughs> give me a break. Like, oh, um, yeah. Um, you also you get, get a, a really fun, like, uh, item here, a really fun special ability. Yeah. The squirt lure. Um, it's so adorable. Like you, you summon a bunch of little dudes who will, who do, uh, who will fight for you. They're really fragile, but they have little hearts above them because yeah. they like you. And and they do this uh, the signaling because eventually you also run into enemies that are non hostile later. Mm-hmm. So things non hostile instead of just showing them a different color or whatever they have little tiny hearts around them. Yeah, super super cute. Yeah, um, this level also has the, your first forge that you can get to, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, where you can upgrade your weapons. You're going to have enough. You're probably going to have picked up an, an item to upgrade your hammer at this point. Um, it introduces that choice. God, I love that system so much. The um the way that the upgrade materials are uh, kind of named, I really like. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just like something hard, something smoky, something S- burning, something sticky. Yeah. Yeah. Ex- exactly. <laughs> Squirt something sticky. Uh, the the pecker lure. Um, yeah. The uh, oh. yeah. So I, I really like the, that nomenclature. Yeah. Oh, and your your bowstrings are made of meese gut, which I like. Yeah, That's yeah. A, I like that too. Yeah. Just this kind of little uh, uh, side side critter mm-hmm. kind of thing. 
Yeah, yeah. And the final boss here, you're fighting the foreman, which is kind of like a large gas fella um, who uh, is kind of another thrower, and he kind of knocks away larger portions of the uh, of the floor. This is a really yeah. cool level. I like this a lot, especially because you're able to uh, kind of go at it uh, buffet style if you want. Yeah. Uh, so again, you have your little. You move back. Uh, you move to the uh, the sundown path here. Um, in between, we're going to the bastion. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, getting a little story when we find these relics. Um, you can go to the different people in the bastion initially, just rucks, and kind of ask them what they think about it. Um, and then uh, you know build new buildings. Right. So there is this kind of rhythm, this like town section. Hmm. Um, for people who haven't played this, the bastion is on like two screens. Like it's not a town. Right. It's a little hub. Um, so it is much more of a kind of mechanical consideration than like a sense of place mm-hmm. kind of thing, which is fine because it is, uh, you know, because of what the Bastion is. Yeah, it's basically just a menu, which is what I want for yeah. a town in an RPG nowadays. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next place is the Sundown Path. Um, and uh, <laughs> this is great. Uh, it's a place for leisurely strolls, uh, but the path falls apart as you're going along because someone else, dun, 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 got the core. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of continue down this path eventually until you get to this huge scumbag <laughs> uh, who, who the kid is under the impression has the has the core. Right. Uh, but he doesn't because somebody else has survived the, the calamity and that can't be good. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, you know, wondering who else. I mean, it can't be good, but also, you know, just you want to be the last person on earth. Like, right. presumably you have these ties and stuff like that. So I want to rush all to myself. <laughs> no you don't um he's history's greatest monster um but yeah so uh moving on you end up going to the uh the melting pot right right uh here and this i mean is this an area where you kind of go to the melting pot or kind of launch to it or do you go to the bastion between these two areas uh you go to the bastion between the two of okay. them. Yeah. yeah uh this is just kind of introducing environmental hazard these stab weeds which are basically like the uh rose bushes in uh toe jam and earl they just kind of do some damage to you as well um, and it ends mm-hmm. with a kind of like a timed uh, core uh, kind of acquisition as a cage lifts real slowly around it. Um, and as <laughs> so I like the uh, the idea that there are these automated shipments that arrive um, just uh, just as they fall out of the sky um, and they're shipping the security stuff to you. So like that is mm-hmm. how they how, how they uh, spawn in different enemies is through these crates. And if you destroy the crates before they before they open up, you can stop huge numbers of enemies from uh, coming at you. Yeah, it's always your best bet. Yeah. To uh, to go for the crates, yeah, here. Um, setting this this kind of expectation at the last one, and then moving to this where you don't like. Sometimes you're going to get a core, sometimes you're not. <laughs> right, going to get a core. So like the rhythm is a little bit different than it seems. Right. Yeah. Uh, takes you on to the hanging gardens, which is a bit of a double entendre because uh, it's a garden, but it's also filled with gallows and stuff like that. Um, and this is a mostly empty place, but the, has the highest concentration of uh, statues. Mm-hmm. that you're going to find. Yeah. And so it's like this huge litany of these different people that the kid used to know. Yeah. And this is really satisfying. Like it's pretty combat light. Mm-hmm. You know, this game has a good sense of quiet time uh, in that rhythm and just kind of getting these little stories of who these people were makes the world feel like, cause I mean, it's important if you're going to have a post-apocalyptic story, it's pretty important to know what you gave up right. in the apocalypse. Like have, especially a fantasy version, like there's no context for the choices we're going to make if we don't have this. Right. Um, and that's part of this. This is like one of these games where it is, uh, you know, the entire game functions as a, a test to see if you understood the game, you know, like if, if you like the, the end of this game, spoiler, we're going to get there, but it has a choice. And this is you studying for that choice. <laughs> um, you know, this is part of, part of that setting that up. And like, do you get, do you understand this game? 
yes or no is what it's asking at the end. Um, similar to like Torment or something like that, where like, and I, I love that in a game. Yeah. You know, if you're going to have a choice at the end, don't make it just arbitrary. Make it a test. Mm-hmm. You know, do you get it? Um, and this is this is what you're getting. Yep. So. Yeah. So as you're kind of going through this, you eventually see this strange man kind of across the map, and you have to uh, you have to fight toward him after you get the core. Uh, this is an Ura named Zulf. Um, mm-hmm. Zulf's sprite doesn't look anything like the him in the rest of the uh, the rest of the art. Like his mm. upturned, exalted face always looks really creepy to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in kind of a weird way uh but he is uh kind of this other survivor who is also going after the course himself yeah and see when you stumble across him it's genuinely strange mm-hmm. you know because it's the first like non-hostile person you've seen right you, you walked up to and, and could be like next to and, and interact with and stuff but so it's pretty shocking mm-hmm. the camera kind of like pulls in as well yeah um, like you put your weapon away like it is very much uh kind of a, a heightened moment um moving on to the uh the pith orchard here um, as we mentioned, Pith is a god, uh, which we've seen before. Yeah. Um, and this people were this is a place where people worshipped him. Yes, uh, we actually see the, like these mechanical statues of the god Pith, kind of like strewn about, almost like scarecrows or something yeah. like that along these uh, along these farms. Um, and this is an, another like combat light area. Uh, it's a little, mm-hmm. little bit of a breather um, as you kind of approach the shrine with the main statue of Pith. Uh, he wakes up. He's pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, and these guys, they uh, like they're. They're video game bowls. They will charge at you. Uh, this guy has a, kind of like a constant flamethrower breath that he uh, will spit out. Yeah, and eventually it goes away. It's just you need to block long enough yeah. for it. So fighting one of them is always trivial, even though I think there's a weird little desync where the sound of the uh, breathing fire ends yeah. before he stops breathing fire. Oh, yeah. So my reflex is to stop blocking then, and that's <laughs> not the right choice. Right. Uh, these guys only become really challenging when they start mixing them up with other things. Right. Um, but when there's just one of them, they're not that big of a deal. Right. Um, and this allows you to build a shrine so you can put those little those challenges we talked about. You can put on those challenge badges. Um, moving on, uh, you go to Cinderbrick Fort. Yes. Uh, this is kind of like the, uh, the, the disc one final dungeon, to put it in TV trip terms. This is very mm-hmm. difficult. Um, this is, uh, like they, they make it look and feel very dangerous because like there's more atmospheric effect. Like this is, uh, uh, like a military installation and like the very sky around it is on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty tough, lots of turrets. So this is a real test if you're good at, uh, doing those parries, right. those bullet parries. Um, and you get a cool weapon here, the scrap musket, yeah. uh, which is a shotgun. Um, Love this, thing. this is. It's pretty great. Um, super wide. Um, you can choose whether you want it to be like, you know, what, like put a choke on it mm-hmm. and make it narrower. But uh, ultimately, it is a shotgun. You can eventually uh, kind of spec it for damage or you can spec it for a wide range. And this is a melee or a range weapon that works with the aiming because you don't have to be right on. Right. It's not a precise weapon. Yeah. Like you're you're um, straight up just firing this from a hip and it is meant to like this will trivialize large numbers of weak enemies, which uh, the game throws at you with a uh, with relatively high frequency. And also, uh, there's a little bit of knockback. Like enemies yes. always respond to when you're hitting them, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is something I require <laughs> in video games. And uh, it allows you to, like, if you're being chased by a lot of guys, you can hit them once with this and then keep running and kind of like get a little bit of space between you and them. Um, the proving ground for this is really awesome too because it's a puzzle. Yep. Um, it's not, you know, a reflex challenge at all. Yeah, it's uh, like the it, uh, the breaker bow one. Yeah, yeah, those ones are really, really great. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, just how can how many of these uh, these things can you shoot off of the uh, the the platform mm-hmm. and the fewest number of shots yeah these are gourds yeah so after you get this it just kind of turns into an intense turret run 
um, to get these to, to get to these two uh, kind of gas bag uh, bosses as they go along. And these these gas bags are pretty much always accompanied by a bunch of squirts, so it uh, it, it fits in. It's weird that they give you the uh, the scrap musket here because it's not very effective against turrets. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and this is, um, you're on one of those little, uh, like a, a raft. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I guess it's like barges and, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You end up on these, these kind of barges and like these sections are always pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause they, they kind of, you know, we talk about disc one final dungeon, like it's not just the turrets, they're always throwing melee guys on you as well. Yeah. Um, so it's a challenge. Like I actually end up really liking, but it is hard. Right. Yeah. Um, so you get get to the end of, end of that with the the two bosses that we mentioned, um, and uh, you find a marshal badge on the ground uh, I, after you get you do the arena there. I forget what this does. <laughs> um, I think I think it's it's just a thing that people can look at. Oh, okay, yeah, it's, it's a go. relic or I can't remember they're called souvenir. Yeah, uh, something like that. Um, but the big thing is you find uh, you get to the end of this and you find Zolf's pipe. Yes, uh, near here. Yeah. Um, and so what this does is you take it back and then Zolf encourages you to take a, to take a big nasty rip of that nug. Um, yeah. and, uh, this causes the kid to pass out, which brings us to who knows where it's like these little coma levels where, uh, it is kind of simultaneously putting you into this wave combat, like horde mode kind of thing. Um, as Rux narrates the backstory of important characters so there are four of these in the game i didn't make note of all of them but we should probably talk about the story of revelations when we get to them yeah yeah you know this is this is gonna make me sound stupid i didn't know there were multiple ones i thought you just did it the one time to get the kids background and that was it oh yeah no you can do one for uh for zia there's one for zolf and then i think on new game plus you can do uh, you can do rux as well i i had no idea i yeah. literally had no idea about that i just thought like i'd completed the level and it was done Mm-hmm. Um, bummer i would have done i would have done more of these because i like these a lot yeah um, <laughs> and they feel impossible at the start like okay 20 waves of enemies with limited heals like occasionally people will drop um the, the the potions but uh but yeah this is something that you uh uh can accomplish like it's eminently doable pretty, they, they drop potions pretty frequently actually mm. I, I i find um so like that has has not been you know that wasn't really a factor what more kind of messed me up was the uh there would be people would um draw you know create holes in the floor mm-hmm. and because of the angle and stuff there would be holes in kind of the back half of this yeah um, so it's very easy to fall on the ground um even though they do a cool thing in this where there are little launchers that will launch you to the other side of the arena yep uh in case you get overwhelmed yeah it's almost like uh they put pac-man shoots on yeah on the on the extremities of the arena yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, but the this is an area where it's very easy to fall through the ground without actually seeing where I was falling through the ground. Yeah, enemies will obscure those holes. Yeah. 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 Um, but you're getting the backstory of the kid, and it's actually pretty tragic. Like he went off to serve basically this death sentence in order to make money for his mom. And when he came mm-hmm. back, he found that she was dead and the money was gone. And yeah. so he thought, well, fuck, I'm gonna go I'm gonna do two tours. Because I've nothing. Left. No one's ever done that. Like right. it's it's hell, you know, on the wall. Like we don't really learn what working on the wall is, but like mm-hmm. it is, it is not good. Right. Yeah. Um, super cool. Yeah. So the, um, so the kid is made of tough stuff and probably single minded to a fault when it comes to destroying things. Yes, which uh, makes him a good video game protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to the Langston River uh, here. This is a river that dried up in the calamity, right. um, but you still ride this uh, kind of floating barge to the core and we're introduced to a new enemy the peckers right. 
uh, here, which are real sons of bitches. Um, <laughs> they get up next to you and kind of just will continuously peck you. Right. Um, but they come from all angles, so it's hard to just block because mm-hmm. there's lots of small ones. Yeah. Uh, there. These things are rough. Yeah. Uh, like they're guarding the core um, and they pretty much always fly at you in formation too mm-hmm. um and like that for me it's a little bit like a galaga kind of thing almost like the game in a lot of ways especially when we get to the wilds kind of becomes a little bit of a bullet hell light kind of thing mm-hmm. um and so it it behooves you to break it to break up these things formations before they kind of like get around you and scatter because they're much easier to deal with when they're moving in a straight line yeah 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 absolutely um, we get on another barge here that moves through uh, after we get this. And this one, uh, there are turrets on either side. Mm-hmm. They kind of move through, introducing the flame turrets. <laughs> and they're um, working for you. Like, they are yeah. keeping the peckers away. <laughs> yeah, and the peckers will go for them. So it's in your best interest to protect the turrets that you have as well. Yeah. Um, if you can. Uh, because eventually, you know, your turrets probably will get worn down by the peckers. Um, but luckily, hopefully by then, near near the end, where you get the boss fight with the uh, the gigantic pecker. Like just a huge fucking dangler. Yep. Yeah. Just a flesh, yeah, just, flesh acorn. Yeah. And you don't watch out. You get, sla- you get slapped. Yeah. Yeah. yeah big, big ol'. <laughs> big ol'. Yeah. <laughs> big ol', big ol'. Um, afterwards, you you fall down this uh, this hole to an island uh, to Prosper Bluff. Right. Um, and as you go, uh, in the background, you're going to hear a song right and the music in this game is universally very very good uh it is fantastic like i'm gonna sit here and work kind of music but this is a song with lyrics somebody is playing this and singing it yeah Um, and pretty much everything about the game's story um, or large portions of it anyway are, are are contained in this song as you go along this build that wall as it goes i dig my hole you build a wall Yeah, this is kind of like a blues blues song. Mm-hmm. Um, I would call this uh, the genre. Um, the music is fantastic, which you didn't really, you know, we only kind of talked about it. Um, I like this song a lot. My favorite song that it is one of the battle themes. Mm-hmm. The one that has that kind of like ding, 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 like has that kind of <laughs> yeah kind of thing going on in it. Um, I love that song. Yeah, um, it's all generally fantastic though, mm-hmm. um, and this one as well. Yeah, uh, and they're this is something they're going to actually expand on in Transistor. Yeah, so like this, this explicitly feels like you play as a singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, you kind of move through here again. Uh, not very much of a, a combat area mm-hmm. uh, until you run into Zia. Yeah. Uh, uh, who is an Ura, just like Zolf is. Yeah, she's a, she's an Ura who grew up in Ceylandia. Like, her father then came here, um, and, you know, she's kind of natively uh, Ceylandia, but people never really trusted her because of her uh, because of her heritage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because of that, she can't actually read her father's her, her father's diary. Like, that is the, 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 the souvenir um, that is written in the Ura language that has half the secrets of the Calamity, and this is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, and you move back, uh, move back home, move back to the Bastion. Uh, 
um, and go to the wild outskirts. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of the second half of the game uh, where you're near more natural areas that are untouched by the calamity, um, but are more dangerous because of that. Yes. And you're just in an entirely different biome of enemies. Mm-hmm. And you're given new tools to uh, to take care of them. Um, these dueling pistols are very good. They're right oh, yeah. towards the beginning of this. Um, and these are kind of the, uh, the the ranged equivalent of the machete a little bit. Like, they fire as fast as you can uh, as you can press the button. And you're kind of incentivized. And the Proving Ground uh, lays this around to kind of conserve those and, like, only fire when you, when you know that you're going to hit. Because those bursts are incredibly, incredibly powerful, but it takes a long time to reload. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, really cool. Super great weapons. Um, they look really great. And this game has kind of a Western flavor anyway. Um, yeah. So, you know, going in as a gunslinger, like, it's pretty fun <laughs> Yep. Uh, in this. Um, this is where the uh, the last core is. And it's very close to the entrance of the, the level. Um, and it's nature's reclaiming it. Yeah. You know, is this idea. Um, this uh, There's actually a weird little glitch I ran into here where the um, the wall wouldn't lower oh no for the core yeah i had to end up restarting this level yeah. not a huge deal but like for a long i spent a lot of time just pushing the outskirts of this like yeah. trying to figure out what to do it's a it's a very long level too actually oh, yeah. like the, the the new enemies that they encounter that they introduce these uh these wallflowers um that'll fire at you like their turrets that are invincible for a large portion of the time while their petals are up yeah, um, yeah. a real hassle and then these pin cushions which again this is a real bolt hell kind of thing they're arranged in patterns and they shoot out at uh, very fixed angles um, yeah yeah so the trick is um just to get at an angle where you can block all of them with your shield yeah. and again do that um you know either charge up your weapon to shoot them right when they open mm-hmm. uh or when they take breaks or uh parry yes. their attacks back to them yeah um you know the, i actually like these these enemies quite a bit mm-hmm. um and it's real different to have an environmental hazard as opposed to something that's pursuing me yes um and there's plenty of pursuit too because you have lunkheads which uh mm-hmm. which are uh like a very Zelda like enemy, you can only attack them from the back unless you've upgraded a weapon to ignore armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are these kind of weird alligator men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, man. I remember the first time that I encountered this story beat when you go back to the Bastion. Yeah, like, yeah like, because it, it's doing the thing. I mean, it's a generic video game thing, not generic, but like we talk about it a lot. Yes. On the show, subverting your place of safety. You know, you you spend you you are not just narratively reliant on the Bastion, but you're ludically reliant on it as well. Mm-hmm. And to come back and see it in ruins yep. is meaningful. Yeah, because Zelf has read the diary. Um, he left a note as he destroyed the Bastion itself, saying the calamity has failed, but I will not. Yeah. Yeah. And he fucked up your monument. Yep. <laughs> this important thing that uh, the entire game so far has uh, has has been about rebuilding um, is uh, is in ruins now. Um, your your buildings will still work, but uh, like you're you're set back. And yeah, again, one of the three other people that uh, that you knew is alive in the world um, has departed. Is actively working against you, right? You know, so it's pretty intense. Um, so you have to go look for shards. That's gonna they're a reduced thing. They'll give us a little bit of power to kind of get this thing running. Um, this is where your upgrades are gonna come in. You built yes. all the buildings, but now we are going to actually uh, upgrade them. So we again we're making that uh, small meaningful choice in mm-hmm. what we want to upgrade first. Um, the game these are by no means balanced. You right. know, you're not gonna like upgrade <laughs> the souvenir shop before or the one of them just gives you a special technique mm-hmm. you know it doesn't give you new things to buy or new new upgrades you can have so yeah um but uh it's still pretty neat yep that you get you're making this thing and these levels are this stretch of levels is actually pretty great oh yeah um i really like uh so you go to uh jocelyn jocelyn bog <laughs> um which is like totally uneventful 
um, until you get the shard. Yep, and uh, it's it's a little bit of like a like a point lookout kind of thing because a plant there uh, spews out a bunch of gas that causes you to go into a, a hallucination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, the first point in the game where I had to um, reduce my difficulty modifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are these little enemies, these little eyeball things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that show up. I can't remember what those things are called. Um, uh, stink eyes. Stink eyes, uh, which are mines, essentially. Like, if you let them get close to you and don't do anything, they blow up. Mm-hmm. And they do tons of damage. So you can kill them before that happens, But and they don't, uh, they boo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like Mario boo. Like, they don't move towards you uh, unless your back is to them. Yeah. So it's kind of tricky, to, and they close their eye, which makes them really armored. So they have, like, a lot of different mechanics going on. <laughs> and when I had all of my difficulty sliders up, they just did too much damage when they when more than one would blow up. Mm-hmm. So, like, they would kill me in, like, more or less in one shot. And it's I tried it several times, and eventually just, like, do you want to try without your difficulty selectors? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I've already beat this before. I don't need to, to prove anything to anybody. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, but you're getting, you're getting a lot of, like, detail. Like, this shows you kind of how the kid feels about what's going on a little bit. Like people are blaming him for the death and destruction Yeah, around this as it goes. And it kind of finishes out uh, kind of like as you're building this campsite as the, uh, as, as Rux kind of does a, uh, like an out of tune hum of the, uh, of the build the wall song. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, you're and like, it's, it's like an interactive cutscene. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, the, boss cool. of, the boss of this is pretty good. Uh, these lung blossoms are like gigantic orchids um, that uh, fill the area with projectiles. Um, and they're caterpillar friends. Hey, buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rothus Lagoon. I like this level an awful lot because it intro- introduces uh, one of my favorite weapons in the game. Actually, this Brusher's Pike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is a spear. has a long reach and kind of this slow attack. Um, which you can throw like a javelin. It's kind of like the machete um, as you go along. Uh, you can upgrade this thing to uh, to hell him back to uh, to really be like a status effect monster. Um, and yeah, you're kind of being chased around this bog as you as you have this by this uh, by this queen and this ancient ankle gator. So you have to always be on the move. Um, and this spear helps you do that by taking out the pin cushions um, at a distance, like breaking their patterns. And that's what yeah. the uh, what the proving ground is all about at Camp Dancy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Dancy Dance. Um, this the pincushion thing is very fun because it's a time limit thing, um, where the pincushions are all shooting and kind of creating these uh, essentially walls of thorns. They mm-hmm. never stop shooting. Oh, so and you also sele- you can't roll, so you can't yeah, iframe yeah. through them. So you have to select like which ones you need, need to destroy to get to the the five things you need to touch, like the switches you need to hit. Uh, yeah. This is this is one of my favorite. Um, I didn't end up using the uh, the pike that much, mm-hmm. but this is one of my favorite proving grounds. Yes. Because um, again, it's like a puzzle yeah. one, and I love uh, I love Queen Anne. Yeah. Um, where I, you know, <laughs> even though I wanted to switch back to the hammer, um, it's not the best weapon because you want to be moving mm-hmm. for Queen Anne. Like, uh, you know, getting that uh, kind of charge or thing to use the hammer on her makes it pretty tough. Yeah. She uh, like the way she works is uh, the ground will rumble and she will burst out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> Something we didn't we didn't talk about, and I just want to throw it out there, just in the interest of completion. Um, there are a couple of things you can find as you go through the level that cr- give us little buddies. Oh yeah, at yeah. The, the bastion. So like, because I was just remembering the tiny little gator that you can get. Oh yeah, like uh, when you, really you, when you take the egg. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we also got a bird that we got before, <laughs> yep. and when you get the uh, squirt lure, you get a tiny squirt. Mm-hmm. So we have three little three little pets to hang out at the bastion. Yeah. Uh, you get a uh, statue of Pith that will uh, like spin around when you go up and, and uh, interact with it. Yeah, just like cute little, uh, you know, Animal Crossing-esque uh, home decor. 
Yeah, decorations. Yeah, yeah. that they end up uh, getting a surprising amount of pathos from uh, leading <laughs> the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is kind of interesting because once you get the shard and take uh, Queen Anne's egg, um, she becomes vulnerable, but you can choose to let her live. Yeah. So I, 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 I accidentally let her live. Like I meant to just kind of finish the fight. Um, but uh, I feel good about that, actually. <laughs> like she didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Does it does it do anything? I can't I can't recall. No, no, exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, it uh, it is uh, it's very good. Nice that you can do that because she is just a, a force of nature. Moving on to uh, to Point Lemaine, and this is you know this is how the city became the richest place in the world. Yes, it like says. it's a, like a like a rail depot almost. Yeah, uh, and yeah. like geographically, this is a very uh, this is a difficult uh, a level that is all about poor footing. Um, that yeah, because you're running along these uh, kind of uh, railroad railroad trestles um, the entire time, and uh, there are turrets and stuff set up around. And this is where you get the army carbine, which is a really good weapon. It's the uh, firearm equivalent of the uh, of the breaker bow. It's your sniper rifle. Yeah, for for this thing, um, the way it kind of signals whether you're you know you're aimed correctly. Um, so instead of charging up power like you have the breaker, breaker bow, you charge up accuracy. Um, it has a really nice overhead visual representation of what would be like a tightening reticule. Yeah, uh, in a first person game. Yeah, it shrinks the cone. Yeah. Yeah, um, which you know, which is just visually, so you know what the area is you're going to be able to hit. Yeah, and um, and it uh, it, it has a similar like you will flash in the middle of it. I'm going to fire a perfectly accurate, incredibly powerful shot. But if you're off to either side of it, then you're you know kind of getting a compromised shot on both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's a great weapon. Mm-hmm. I still end up using the bow because I put all my debuffs and and upgrades into it. Yeah, but I like this a lot. Yeah. Uh, and the proving ground just kind of like puts targets at a at a greater distance away from you. Like as it goes on, yeah. they start out close, and then they kind of spiral out. Yeah. Um, so you, you move to the end. You actually run into another survivor mm-hmm. um, who knocks you out. Yeah. Like you get 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 clunked. This is a, 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 a an era agent. Yeah. So those guys are still in play. <laughs> um, he leaves a note for Zia uh, from Zolf. Yeah. And the note says. Uh, Zia, go east and learn the truth about the Calamity and the Ura. Right. Go learn the backstory. Yeah. Um, um, which is good to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she does, too. Like, she she takes off. Right. At this point, right? Like, this is, we were reunited with her, but she leaves. Is yeah. She, she, she <laughs> takes off for, like, a level or two before yeah. she is ultimately uh, kidnapped. So we head uh, up a mountain here to Calford Cauldron, which is kind of this uh, um, caldera of a uh, an, an extinct volcano. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, people still tried to live here because this was like the, uh, the place where the Smithies lived. Yeah. Yeah. And because of that, we get a weapon, we get the, uh, the bellows, which you talked about a little bit in the beginning of the episode, yeah. um, is a flame flamethrower. Like I, I like it more than gold does, uh, apparently so, <laughs> yeah. uh, cause he's got it in the notes as it being ineffective. Kind, kind um, of ineffective. I hedged. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I had good luck with it. Okay. Um, you know, it, it's not my favorite weapon in the game by any means, but, uh, it, you know, it works. It's and, really, uh, kind of the, really effective against peckers. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, and that's why they give it to you here. And uh, kind of greenery, you yeah. know, uh, getting rid of uh, scenery stuff. Yeah. Um, the gimmick here is it just has a fuel meter that goes down. Um, so you can you can kind of turn it on for a certain amount of time, but then you have to 
let it reload. It's not really very much of a gimmick, right? Um, to to its reload mechanic. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's almost like a like a weirdly directional AOE that you can fire yeah. off uh, yeah. for a limited amount of time. Yeah, it doesn't um, have the range to be like a primary ranged weapon by any means. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I could say going well with like a like a melee weapon that uh, that has a ranged uh, kind of option with it too. Sure. Yeah. Um, the proving ground for this is just kind of a counterpart to the to the scrapyard from before. Like this is the incinerator, and so you just have to destroy a shitload of peckers as they come at you in clumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, when you take the shard here, uh, all the, these stink eyes wake up. Those little eyeball things I, I mentioned that have the multitude of different behaviors and will blow up on you <laughs> yeah um and uh, there are just so many of them yeah and and the bellows actually work pretty well for that yeah like uh yeah so, yeah so. because if they're coming at you um you know you want to take out a bunch of them at that close range and their eyes are going to be open while they're doing it yep yeah. uh moving on to mount zand yeah, uh, Mount Zan's pretty cool. Uh, this is uh, this is an overgrown uh, kind of place. In the first uh, first phase, kind of has these uh, it, like uh, kind of canopy over it almost, and you have these lunkheads that are kind of uh, you can see them move, but only when they move. When they're still, um, they're kind of hidden, mm-hmm. kind yeah. of camouflage. Yeah, yeah. And we're introduced to the Galleon Mortar uh, here, which is uh, a weapon that s- sends a mortar shell. Um, you kind of hold the button. And it sends a little tracker out. So mm-hmm. the further something is away, the longer it takes you to fire. Right. Or to, to hit it. Um, these things do huge damage and do huge area of effect. Yeah. Um, and it's like crazy powerful. I didn't, it was, this was one of the, like a thing I didn't use because it was kind of too powerful. It's uh it's real situational. Uh, I feel like. It's super situational. It does more damage than like almost every thing in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, so it's like, I could use this and just one shot all of the, you know, the the thorn uh flowers and, and things like that but i wanted to parry them and, and shoot them with stuff yeah you know <laughs> yeah you didn't want to completely skip over them by being OP. exactly i didn't yeah. want to skip a large portion of the game by using just exclusively grenades more or less yeah. yeah the uh the challenge for this one is actually really cool like you're taking out a whole bunch of squirts like on this island off of a pier mm-hmm. um and you just have to uh really really nail the timing for the range that you want to select yeah and it's about uh the the navy Yep. The Salandia Navy, like keeping, uh, you know, defending the shores, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The uh, what what else do you do here? Uh, uh, you know, this oh, this is where um, you actually see that the uh, the beast are using the shard to make their own kind of miniature bastion. Yeah, uh, which is awesome. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Like they're like they're building a city, um, and it's kind of like a Swiss Family Robinson kind of thing. I feel terrible for laying siege to it. <laughs> yeah literally i'm using a weapon of siege in order to uh in order to knock this out yeah super super cool <laughs> love it um when you actually get up to the end of this um you there are two lung flowers yeah like uh two a uh, boss fight where you don't have to kill these guys oh really um, wow yeah you don't have to you don't have to fight them eventually um uh so this is a kind of a big boss or boss arena um i feel like at some point the area between them opens up hmm. and you can actually move through oh nice yeah. It's a, it's a fun boss fight. Like I, I like these things a lot. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. these things too. Yeah, uh, Burstone Quarry is next, um, and this is a wonderful little story beat because this is where the uh, the shards came from, and in fact, 
that's kind of the like like the what this entire society is built on because we see these uh gas fellows going around and mining at this place um they're friendly like they're just kind of going about their work they're not security gas fellows um but the detail about this is these rocks actually contain like the very very smallest version of the creature that these things are it's like the little eggs almost and so everything mm -hmm. even the cores are fueled by kind of like expending the life of these creatures yes yeah which is i mean we get you know that's starflight that's lots of games yeah you know where we're like you know our fuel is actually sentient mm -hmm. uh you know but it, it still works for me here if it were the main thrust of the game you know, if like the idea was like, oh, no, we've been you know doing this thing, then like that would be too much as yeah. a detail that kind of throws minor amounts. I mean, still major, but throws amounts of moral shade at, mm -hmm. uh, you know, questioning your culture uh, early on. It works really well as kind of a, an amuse-bouche to the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the actual problem. Yeah. Um, and I will. It is it is, it is a, a very good amount of world building. Like, I don't need to know why um, they have this magical rock. Uh, but I don't know, it adds color and shade to it at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the color and the shade, <laughs> uh, to it. So we get both. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so we uh, move through this, we get to another, uh, boss fight here. Um, who is a Sir Lunky. I love um, Sir knight. Lunky. Um, he's a knight. Uh, he's a gigantic lunkhead. If you recall, these are those crocodile monsters that, uh, are only really vulnerable from behind, depending mm. on your build. Right. Um, my hammer was upgraded to this point where I could fight these guys no matter where. Oh, wow. If I did the charged attack, I would go through their armor. Yeah. So it would, uh, you know, block which charged. And then once they hit me, just hit back and, and do yeah. kind of a counterattack thing. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the pike is actually really useful for this fight as well for any of the lunkheads. Believe it. Yep. Um, Yeah. So again, this is the end of this act. Like we've gotten to the end of the wilds. We've seen kind of what Ceylandia was exploiting in order to kind of prolong its existence. Mm -hmm. um, and we get back to the Bastion or no, we don't get back to the Bastion. Sorry. Uh, we find Zulf at the end of this. And like, he's like, he has this message. Like he tells you, oh, it's too late. Um, you know, I cut off your wife's pretty little head. Um, yeah. The Bastion is under siege, and he says, "Like, hey, man, this this is a favor. Like, let it fall and don't come back." Yeah, yeah. And if you don't do this, you know, my countrymen are going to stop you. Like, we're at war, and you do not know that you are at war, right? Um. So when you get back to the Bastion, it is destroyed in a super serious way. Yeah. Um. And we're uh, Ura spearmen show up. Yeah. And all your little pets and stuff start fighting, mm -hmm. and they can die. I, yeah. I don't think they have to die, but like the bird died. Uh -huh. And like the narrator is like, you know, like Squawky didn't make it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's like, Squawky. no, Squawky, no. Yeah, I can't remember if it's Squawky, but it's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, dang. Um, you know, so depending on how good you are, you can save, you know, some of your friends here. Mm -hmm. um, the Spearmen, the Ur are my favorite enemies in this game. Oh, they're so good. They're like little, like, like I mean, they're versions of you. Like they have very similar movesets. They're, they're very dodgy. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They dodge. They have varied weapons. Um, they do these little tele short range teleports. Mm hmm. Um, that they do that are just like really, really satisfying to parry once you get the timing down. Um, and then they're just, uh, they're tough. Like they're serious bad guys. Like, you know, at this point, like Bastion, I don't think is that challenging, uh, of a game, like in any respect Yeah. and having something that is actually like, you know, and, and previous to this, when I was engaging in kind of the advanced mechanics, I was mostly doing it kind of because it makes the game more fun, mm -hmm. you know, for me. So like I was doing more dodging and blocking and stuff because it's like 
this, I'm more actively engaged. I don't necessarily have to do this to beat the game, you know, yeah. but yeah. learning these things is fun. And then this is where you actually have to do it. Yeah. Even if it's uh, not is, more difficult, like it's even if it's not like nail bitingly uh, fraught, these fights, they're interesting, right? These are these are enemies that don't just move toward you, which is what a lot of the previous enemies have done. Like there's been yeah. a little bit of variation um, in the way that they go. But like these are advanced tactics that you're trying yeah. to like line yourself up against. These guys are smart. You know, so super, super great. Uh, I love this. It comes right after a boss fight, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's genuinely pretty unexpected uh, here. Um, you know, this comes in. So pretty, pretty great. Yeah. Way yeah. into it. And so, you know, Rux at this point starts uh, st- starts giving you a little bit more detail. So like the the, the Euro started coming in, they, they like they dug their holes. Like, okay, I heard that in the song. I thought that was a metaphor. No, this is an underground kingdom. And, like, when they burrow up into a place, bad stuff comes out of them. And Rux takes a little bit of responsibility for this, saying, like, yeah, they're getting back at us for the calamity. At this point, we had no idea that anybody even caused this, that this wasn't something, you know, just, like, natural, like an extinction-level event or something. No, like, this was Ceylandia's plan to wipe the Yura out. Yes. (laughs) Uh, and you know, we, we kind of, the story kind of trickles out about that, but it's worth, uh, noting, um, you know, we, we talked about it in the, the sketch thing at the beginning of this, but like their plan is so stupid. <laughs> their plan is like the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. And it's like the one, like, like really dumb, like plot element in this that like <laughs> just drives me up the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, did it have to be that way? <laughs> like, did it have to be like, they literally like. Uh, poached an American scientist to nuke America, you know, essentially, or like poached, you know, a, a German scientist to destroy Germany. Like I, mean, I know that kind that. of thing happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I get that. Yeah. But it's like, and then, but if, you know, that scientist did betray us, I would not mm. be that surprised. Right. You know, like, I don't know, especially in a fantasy world where like, there tends to be a little less shade and nationalism is kind of more common, I feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's having somebody who is like, if you're going to be against your own, uh, kind of culture in a game environment where stories tend to be a little simpler and a little less nuanced. Like they would tell us that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So like this, we're, we're going to find out about this at certain points here. I think we, we, we've skipped over. We can talk about a couple of different people. So, um, Zia's backstory is really, uh, is very tragic, uh, because, you know, she was just being raised by, by her father, but like none of her, none of her peers, really trusted her because of her uh heritage because of her nationality um and so like uh, essentially they were kind of betrayed like at this really really high level by this uh, uh young person that she really liked you know she was dating this this guy who ended up betraying them and turning them over like to the city watch mm. um and like that was kind of the final straw that led to ven um actually uh kind of calling in uh, for this, uh, you know, like, like making the decision that he did to make this backfire. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, Zolf's backstory is uh, is is super crazy. I can't remember the particular details because I didn't make a note of it, but I read about it um, because I could not get <laughs> far enough in his uh, in his challenge level. Um, he essentially was like the calamity happened on his wedding day or something mm. like that. Like he lost his one true love because of because of this act of treachery. You know. Okay. Yeah. You know, and Zolf was like, he was somebody who was trying to like broker peace. Like he wasn't an official ambassador, but like he came to the wall, like he came to the city in order to like ease tensions because he saw that like Zolf is a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I like the way that, so I missed these because I didn't know that you could keep, you know, taking hits from the bong. Like, forgive <laughs> well, me. It's, it's different stuff. Like, if you find the cooking pot, you will eat some of Zia's cooking, and it's, like, either so good or so bad. It's, it never really says that. Like, it puts you into a food coma that takes you to someplace else, and then it's, like, I, Zolf's bedroll or something like that. Like, I definitely set those things up. I maybe just didn't know that they were interactable. They were. Yeah. Um, yeah so so I, did, I never did these, uh, you know, took a hit from the, the bedroll. <laughs> but like the nice thing about the story is that like it's good to have that information the story makes perfect sense without it yep like it's it's modular in a way that i appreciate yeah. it's like a different you know, version did... of uh like turning in those souvenirs to get the descriptions yeah so. yeah i just i felt like i had a complete idea of things you mm-hmm. know because yeah. the game you know because of what we learn about the calamity it's not like i thought Zolf was a villain even without knowing a tragic backstory yep like he's he's pretty justified <laughs> yeah. you know like this you know this is uh this this is bad yeah um yeah <laughs> so we're, we're, this is the end game and uh, we're in the last couple levels here yeah we're in the we're in the final the final act um yeah. so we're kind of taking the fight to uh to the the Yura uh, uh gate then you know to, to, the, get, to the, get zia back right yeah because, they, because like, they capture her yeah they took her when they did this thing and it's like you know regardless of what we end up doing like that's not okay right you know there, there's they applied like miniature romance there it's not like you know, there's no dialogue to support it. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody talks about being in like instant plot love, but there <laughs> is like a little bit of uh, affection and kind of camaraderie implied between yeah. the kid and Zia. Yeah, like you know, if somebody is taken against their will, like you got to go get them back. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, and this is a this is an amazing scene because like <laughs> they they kind of compress time. You're you're kind of going through these little uh, uh, combat snippets um, in a as you kind of like a, go through a, a reverse version of what you did on the way out. Like you're starting in the wilds, and then it's like okay, afternoon, day three, morning, day four, uh, kind of stuff. As you're kind of fighting against these your agents, as uh, as as the the kid is in this Dutch fugue almost mm. like he is single-handedly wiping out all of the forces of the Yura trying to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, and this is where we learn more of that background of the, uh, the calamity. Yes. Um, and, and specific origins that then Zia's dad, uh, helped, uh, you know, they got help from these, uh, the Yura mancers, which yeah. are people. Um, so that, you know, we get that backstory for that, that one super dumb plot point. Yeah, we talked about. Yep, and Ven sabotaged the calamity. So even if it would fire, it would backfire on Ceylandia. Um, I don't yes. know if he intended for both kingdoms to be wiped out. <laughs> it kind of seems like it'd be more important just to wipe out Ceylandia at that point. I mean, I think that's the idea. Yeah, I think that was the intent, yeah. and and that's essentially what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not like um, you know when we get to to Ura, like Ura has these other this other kind of thing, like yeah. they're. Uh, you know, holding it together. It's not yeah. shards or anything like that. What what it's happens? Like a different biome. What happened with 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 Ura? Like they're an underground kingdom, but the calamity flung them into the sky. Okay. Yeah. But there are tons of Ura people. Mm-hmm. Like they, it wasn't it wasn't like they were wiped out. Right. Right. You know, we run into to Rux is the only person from Salandia. Yes. And then we run it. We we kill dozens of Ura, and they're implied to be <laughs> hundreds of them. You know, so they more or less made it. Right. Um. So we get to the shard, uh, and we're about to get it, and a ninja <laughs> pops in and steals it away, which is going to keep happening. We're going to chase this guy. 
mm-hmm. for a while to get this final shard. Yeah. And this whole time, Rux is kind of pushing us to get the get the shard. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's the thing that's going to complete the Bastion. We don't really know what the Bastion is going to do just yet. Right. Um, other than just be a, a kind of a safe haven, but he's pushing us to get it. And there's like, I love the way that his dialogue subtly starts implying that, uh, you know, he, like he tells us this terrible thing he did. But there's a, I can't remember where it is, but he's like, you know, is the kid going to trust somebody who's not even asked his name? Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> you know, that's true. Like, yeah. why am I so, why am I doing these things? Would I kindly go and complete the bastion, you know? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> just because the effect of getting these things that we've seen is that we are, like, more well-appointing this last, again, bastion, pun fully intended, I guess, of, you know, of right, and civilization. Right, it's not really a pun, yeah, but I mean, it's, it is an unfortunate word choice um, on, on my part of, for, for expressing a different idea. Uh, like, you know, the, the effect that we get, that we've see, that we see by getting these shards and these cores is that, like, this place is becoming more lively, or at least more well-appointed, yeah. you know? We don't know what the actual purpose that we're going to see is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. Um, so we go to uh, to Zoltan's Hollow, uh, which is, again, just this incredibly difficult gauntlet um, where we've got these uh, pillars that are holding up these rock gates. So it's kind of like a, uh, like a like a lock and key system almost where we get into these arenas and we have to kind of like take out these things that are blocking the, uh, the, the path forward. But we get help. Like there's a new weapon here that is uh, like not quite gravity gun levels. Like it, it is not as a, like. Well, that comes next yes yeah yeah yeah. we we get our gravity gun (laughs) right um yeah the calamity cannon yes which is a rocket launcher yeah it starts Um, out incredibly unreliable like it cannot lock on because it's too unwieldy like you actually have to uh um do almost like an analog uh kind of uh um you know aiming on this without any kind of guide but uh, it is incredibly powerful it does area effect damage you can kill yourself with it but through upgrades it gets like homing and multi-fire and stuff like that yeah, it gets a bunch of really cool stuff. The yeah, proving ground for this I find really obnoxious. Yeah. Um, it's a, a wave defense against a bunch of uh, windbags mm-hmm. coming through. And you're trying to protect the five little things at the end of the the row, like like missile command or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very, very difficult, Yeah, uh, I find. And once they get close to the thing, uh, your rocket will destroy the thing, too. Yep. So, like, you can't let them get even remotely close. And this has a charge, uh, yeah. this weapon. So I found it... Uh, you know, you tell it the large charge sense. Yeah, um, it is. I found this this to be a pretty frustrating proving ground and didn't fuck around with it very much. Yeah, no. And, um, and also, like, it's not hit scan like it is a rocket launcher. So you have to deal with like two different leading, kinds of yeah. timing. Yeah, like leading targets and yeah, stuff. It's yeah. uh, it's very difficult to use. I, th- I think that it's uh, it's almost like the, uh, the like the pyramid head cleaver or something in Silent sure. Hill 2. Like incredibly powerful will kill most things in one hit. But like at what cost? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so this is a place that is kind of just full of these turrets, uh, different kinds of turrets, actually. Um, lasers. They kind of fire like these fluid uh, bursts of light at you. Um, and then you're just like fully in your territory at this point. Uh, different varieties, different uh, different weapon types uh, that you're getting here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you find out that Zia was not kidnapped. Right. Um, she actually went along to see uh, if what the Zara said was true. Yes. As you get here, uh, moving into the last uh, last level, uh, the yeah. Tazzle Terminals. <laughs> this is so good. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> I like this an awful lot um, because this is, uh, you know, it, it, they escalate like more enemies than we've ever seen. Very difficult enemies that have very complex behaviors, again, because we're in Euro territory. Um, but at this point, like, I, you know, because we have found Zia and sent her back, we find out that all of this narration, it wasn't, you know, just being spoken omnisciently. Like, this is Rux telling the story. But because we're kind of at the present, he has no idea what we're doing right now. He is supposing what's happening. As yeah. he's going on. So like <laughs> and saying like, okay, well, if he's able to accomplish what I've sent him to accomplish, like, you know, we're not going to die. We don't know what's gonna happen, but all of this is gonna just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Introducing the you know, the the final choice that's gonna come after this. <laughs> um and this this level is, you know, very tough, but at this point you have kind of end game equipment and then then they give you the gravity gun here in this next section. But like <laughs> it is uh it's tough, but it is also um, almost like we've entered into the final cutscene already. Yes. Here, you know, um, and it happens so gradually. Like you just kind of start <laughs> becoming this like, kind of narrative function thing as opposed to a gameplay function without even really realizing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one of the gravity guns that we get is uh, is a new kind of tonic hopscotch. Again, mm-hmm. very good. Uh, that gives you the ability to jump. Um, this is kind of a mixed bag for me, honestly, I hate mixed bag. Uh, it, it uh, has its, uh, drawbacks to it. Uh, I like the idea of being able to jump all of a sudden, uh, but, uh, has a little bit of a Zen kind of feel of a non-platforming game becoming a platformer. Um, I don't know what it adds. Yeah. Uh, gameplay wise, really like the platforming here is not specifically meant to be challenging mm-hmm. really. Um, and it's not particularly cool like yeah. either. It's not very fun. Um, so it's not like it's, again, I don't think it's a war crime. Like I didn't feel like it was even Zen. Yep. level i just felt like it like i didn't have that much fun with it mm-hmm. you never uh you never really engage in combat while doing jump, yeah, yeah you know jumping at platforming at the same time so like here's you know a totally different kind of game introduced in the last five percent of this one yeah it feels uh, like something that they built into the engine expecting to introduce it earlier but they found out that it wasn't as uh it wouldn't bear as much fun as they expected it to so they just kind of be. instead of getting rid of it entirely they just relegated it to a different thing the bummer is it takes away your block yeah um, so, it, you know, but you, again, you're not free. This is only gonna be for a second because yeah. does it, does it take away your block? It takes, you, away you something. Can... Oh, it, gives, it takes away your dodge. Actually. That's what it does. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. It, it's what's instead of your, your dodge. So, yeah. um, cause you can still dodge with it. Like if you jump out of the way, you won't get hit either. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, cause you can still, you can still block, um, you, uh, so once, uh, as Rux is continuing this narration, he says like, Hey, what this bastion is going to do is you're going to be able to redo everything. Right. Like, this is going to be, you know, you starting over, you're going to time quake. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not, I mean, that's actually what it would be, but um, not like a time quake in the, uh, you know, but you're going to start over. Right. And uh, Rux made the Bastion, like actually made this thing, but they mm-hmm. couldn't test it because it is a doomsday weapon that resets everything. Mm-hmm. So he says, this is, pay attention. So this is the part where you decide, this is where you should be making the choice that comes at the end of the game. Uh-huh. He straight up says, uh, if this happens, we don't know that we can stop the calamity from happening again. Right. Um, so this is, uh, you know, eternal sunshine. This, this, this is what we're dealing with here mm-hmm. is, you know, um, and, uh, you eventually get this, uh, this weapon, you know, before really of this choice, you get the Ram, yeah, yeah. uh, weapon, which doesn't have a, a proving ground. This is just a, a gravity gun that you have at the end of the game, right? Uh, which is super slow, but incredibly powerful. Yep. It's a two handed weapon. Uh, you can't move when you're blocking, uh, but, uh, you have like an AOE when you slam it down to the ground and then it will kill pretty much anything that it throws at you in one hit. Uh, if you uh, if you can hit it, and you are fighting, you know, tons and tons of of uh, Zira, Zia, Zura, 
Yura. 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 Thanks. Yeah. Find tons of them um, here. So it's just like this is your power trip, just carving <laughs> through these guys that were very, very tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you get to this this kind of end bit uh, here, and Zolf is like his countrymen are not going to go along with it. Right. Like, um, like, like his, his countrymen are like, you, you invited, like you brought this horrible force of destruction. Like the world has already ended and this dude has killed countless numbers of them. Like, and he followed in your back trail. And yeah, so like, good. You let him here. Right. And so you, you actually see him like they, 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 they attack him. Like they're, they're, they're surrounded, surrounding him. They teleport away and he's just like laying there still breathing, but unconscious. If you leave him, he is going to die. But yeah. you cannot carry both him and the ram at the same time. Yeah. And you're going to move through a really kind of tough area here. Mm-hmm. So you can either make yourself totally defenseless and do this kind of like amazing, you know, walking down the green mile <laughs> kind of thing as, as uh, you know, his countrymen are around you and taking pot shots at you, you know, hurting you uh, as you go. And you can't do anything about it. You're giving up your defensive vocabulary or you can take the ram and fight back uh, there. I've always taken him with. Oh, me too. Um, I've, only, I've only played this game twice. Like, I, yeah. I feel like this game uh, is almost not meant to be replayed because of the thematic issues. Like, I was happy to go for the show, but it's right. like I wasn't going to come back to it. But uh, yeah. you just kind of take the attacks until eventually somebody, they stop attacking you. Right. Like, and, it, like, and it's very, like, subtle, too. Like, you just, they're, they're firing arrows at you, firing arrows at you. And then just, like, at a certain point, they kind of stop. And then... It's it's a little bit like the nah, it's a spoiler for Dark Souls too, uh, but uh, <laughs> but like just that that moment of walking up this path as these as these warriors kind of like stop attacking you out of respect. Yeah, and one <laughs> one of them actually shoots an arrow at you, and somebody comes behind them and stabs them. Right, and stops them. I like tries to start that. a fight again. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, um, as you uh, as you save him. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually evacuate to go to the end game. Right. And, uh, you have your four, your band of four reunited. Yeah. Um, about that final encounter, uh, with the, with the Yura. Um, so if you take the Ram into this, you have, you know, you're fighting everybody and then you fight the Yura chieftain, like the, like the leader of it. And it's kind of a trivial fight because mm-hmm. you, know, you can kill everything in one hit. Uh, you can fight the Yura chieftain. Honestly, if you do, I think it's Rux, um, wave challenge, uh, kind of okay. thing. Uh, and it is the hardest fight in the game. Like it, it is just total, like beyond final exam challenge boss kind of level, uh, of thing at the very end of like a 30 wave encounter. I like that. There's these, uh, these kind of different, uh, different secrets yep. in this game that I, you know, I feel like I knew this game pretty well, but obviously did not. Yeah. I didn't do it. I just, I found it through, uh, through, through research. <laughs> So after, uh, you know, regardless whether you fight that boss, um, you get to this little last uh, endgame choice. Yeah. Um, uh, place the shard, and Rux takes you to the heart of the Bastion, and you learn, you know, he's already kind of laid it out. Um, you have these two choices. You can uh, restore the world, kind of reset things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you can evacuate and stop the cycle. Yep. Um, which is just, uh, it can just kind of fly off. It kind of becomes this weird <laughs> flying machine kind of thing. <laughs> yep. It's a, um, it's a Professor Horatio Huffnagel's uh, contrabulous <laughs> contraption. Yeah, exactly. It's it's Mr. Magorium's Wonder Import. <laughs> Wunderbar Emporium. Yep. Um, the, uh, so, like, the reason this is, you know, when I say this is, like, a final exam thing and, like, this is the right choice, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I've read... Some kind of treatments of this is like, oh, this is a, re- a metaphor for a relationship ending. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Signal specifically has done. Yeah, uh, like that, that. That's, 
his thing. It's a really good video. Mm-hmm. Everyone should watch it. It'll be in the notes. Um, even if it's not a relationship, if you take this as a metaphor for any number of things, right. like uh, how about the um, the mistakes one makes because they're addicted to all kinds of booze? Right. You know, this, this violent kid, this character who is drunk, you know, regardless of which, this is some kind of, there's a metaphorical read for this. Yeah. It doesn't have to have literalism in its meaning. It's a, it's um, a wonderful thing. Like, it's portable. It, you, it can reflect whatever you bring to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if the choice, you know, again, I brought, I brought up Eternal Sunshine before. The, uh, the choice is keep making the same mistakes over and over. Mm-hmm. Or, like, move on with your life. Yeah. You know, um, and it's it's especially I mean, the, the, the pertinent thing is our memories will be erased. <laughs> you know, we're yes. going to we're going to go back to the very same moment in time. We will not have gained from seeing what will happen. Right. Like, yeah. To, to doing things over again isn't really a, it's it's not great. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, you can't do that. Right. You know, that, that is a that is a life truth. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no sticking sausage back into the grinder to get a pig. Yeah. You know, and uh, doing so, if you lose that insight, you lose those kind of things that you you've learned from that. You lose that experience. Um, you know, then it's meaningless. Yeah, like, like then then, <laughs> we'll, then, we'll then the, it was we'll, a waste. We'll be the same people, and we're going to make the same decisions. And if I make this decision now, you know what that means? We're just going to keep living it over and over again, and suffering over and over again. Yes, it, it, you're setting yourself up. The restoration is hell, right? In this, and the reason why. This is good. Like the reason why this is such a good choice and so well remembered is they do a really good job of tempting you with it, <laughs> you know, because the entire time it's framed up until that point is like bringing everybody back. Right. And they're like, Celandia was wonderful. It was beautiful. People used to walk on this promenade. People used to to go to this bar and, and have fun. Hey, this was this person you knew who you liked. Here's this uh, this ribbon from a girl you fancied. Like <laughs> it is doing its best to show you what you've given up. The lesson you're supposed to learn is that once it's in the past, like it doesn't actually matter. Mm-hmm. You know what? What matter? Like, what matter? I mean, it does matter. What matters about it is what you learn about it, how you move forward. Right. So, like the right, like I mean, I feel very strongly like there is a, a win condition for this game, which is uh, not doing the restoration mm-hmm. and then never playing it again. <laughs> and and there couldn't, you know, when people were like, it's weird ludically because it does spend all this time familiarizing you with all these weapons that some of which you don't get a lot of time to. Sp- to spend with mm-hmm. you know if you're uh the weapon you love the most is a a late game you know like man do i love the the calamity can and like the way this rocket launcher works just works for me mm-hmm. um you're not going to get very much time to spend with it you can go into new game plus but new game plus also feels like it's a little bit contrary to the theme <laughs> doing a sequel to this like i read like message boards and stuff online about this when it came out where people were like oh it's positioning itself for two sequels there's going to be like the restoration sequel no and the, the evacuation sequel <laughs> the restoration and, like, sequel is just the game again <laughs> it's just bastion again and like doing it all again kind of not having that be filling in that question mark mm-hmm. is contrary to the emotional core of the game yeah like you're choosing possibility it is a choice between stagnation and possibility and possibility like should not you know it loses some meaning once it's defined mm-hmm you know, so like having it be like, and then the kids like flew from town, you know, area to area and got a bunch of fun and charming adventures. <laughs> yeah. Like it functions on that level. Like the game is like a really cool kind of baseline tale, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it also, it would like the actual theming would get betrayed by doing that. Yeah. Like you, you would not actually gain anything by going to a new place. 
like everything about the story that is revealed, you know, uh, either through the narration or through the, like the, the details that you find, like it is, it it is fraught with the weight of history. Like it's Mm -hmm. completely soaked in the fact that this is a dead place. And so like, I can't see the search for a new life, even, even in what feels like the correct ending, like that would not carry the same punch just because it wouldn't be the same kind of story. It wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be a satisfying thing to do because as much as I do like these characters, I like this world, I like, uh, you know, everything about this, this kind of setup, I like these weapons, I like this mechanically, like mm-hmm. everything about it that would make me want a new setup, like that can't be codified. Right. You know, we can't actually put something there. Like I've chosen possibility and to move on with my life, mm-hmm. you know, so the kid is going to go and, and go and do his question marks and things like that. But the important thing is he chose not to dwell on the past and not to set himself up mm-hmm. to make the same mistakes again. Like it is a vote for change. And like, you know, I know it We feels, feels silly that we bring up Dark Souls all the time. Like Dark Souls deals with a lot of these same kind of questions mm-hmm. in the cycle uh, up until it stops dealing with them and it becomes <laughs> fucking infuriating. <laughs> um, but like initially, that's something that draws me to like Dark Souls world is this idea mm-hmm. of like a perpetual cycle, you know, and this is it's it is like torment, you know, that happens in torment as well. Yep. Like, you know, this idea of like, do you keep going and making these same mistakes over and over, kind of let yourself off the hook, or mm-hmm. do you push on? Yeah, and move on and break break this cycle, break this kind of kind yeah. of version. Like, there's DNA here with a lot of things that I I feel very very yeah. strongly in the, favor of. The uh, the world has moved on. Will you? Yeah, and the and the right answer is yes. <laughs> you know, the right answer is like yes. It sucks. All those people died, but that happened. Your culture did it. You yeah. know, and there's nothing like, saying we wouldn't do it again given the chance. Yeah, and the fact that a character literally tells you that, and yet there's still debate online about which one is the right choice, well, kind mean, of blows my mind. It's, it's pretty powerful because Rux is the only voice that we have, and Rux has an agenda. You yeah, know? <laughs> like, and even though like he's giving you the choice, like he's very much lobbying. He is he is setting up the boundaries of this of this choice as though like okay, it's a it it is either the certainty of what you've seen and all that it could be, or the uncertainty. You know, like are you going to take what's in the mystery box? The box, the box. You yeah, know. <laughs> the, box, the box is better if, you know, because, I mean, even if you move aside, like, determinism, you know, or something like chaos theory, all these things that mean that the bastion might not right. uh, happening. And, I, you you know, the point, even if that is true, like, and, and maybe or the uh, calamity might not happen, we've learned enough about this world to know that, like, yes, there are good things about it. And it's great that we spend a lot of time appreciating the beauty in it. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of problems with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and giving up that insight is not worth any cost. Yeah. You know, and you, you know, you hear that or like you go through those kind of life experiences that are like, you know, this was awful, but I wouldn't give it up, yeah. you know, on very, very level, you know, various levels. Yeah. You know, there's some things, you know, that like and even once, uh, you know, there's some things that are just like purely bad, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like uh, that can happen. But what the pursuit of of life, like living a conscious and thoughtful life is finding the 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 crops in that manure, you know. Mm-hmm. Taking the uh, the enrichment you can get from that. Yeah, you will not know what you know now when you're younger. Yes. Like... <laughs> no, uh, no, no growth without pain. Right. You know, so don't give up the growth in order to not have felt the pain. Mm-hmm. So, those are the two it's, choices. It's a very powerful choice. Like it is, it is wonderful. Like to have that happen in this, you know, kind of kind of uh, tapa tapa tapa, you know, action RPG kind of game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of my favorite like end game choices because it doesn't feel like it's just like good re evil. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be that. It could be just like, do you wipe out the the you know the era or do you you know make peace with them? Right. 
Like that doesn't matter. No, <laughs> you know, like ultimately that's just a war story. Like who gives a fuck? Yeah, you and you get a little flavor of that of whether or not you decide to forgive and save um, Zolf. You yeah, know? yeah. It it operates on multiple levels like that. And one of the things that is a thing that I like about Bastion that falls down for Transistor for me, other than just how it tells its story. But Transistor is also complicated and thematically rich in a way that I feel like is a degree more complicated than I want. Mm -hmm. Like stopping and having to like uh, puzzle things out rather than just like this is a moral puzzle where both sides are clearly represented. Right. Uh, Transistor is a moral kind of uh, conundrum where it takes a lot of work to figure out what the conundrum is. Right. Uh, and that I feel like is a little bit weaker as a thing. This is the sweet spot. Yeah. Or like in a lot of ways for just kind of like game narrative, like this hits that, you know, when we talked, I was talking about before, like what, like it's not, I love this game. It's not portal level. Perfect. Why is it not portal level? Perfect. Narratively. This is about what I want. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think this is, this is as strong as almost, almost any game narrative that we've done for the show. Yeah. Um, it's very <laughs> resonant with me. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it it grasps it, it grasps what it's reaching for mm -hmm. is the thing like even if it doesn't reach as far as as kind of deep as uh as torment does like they're they're in they're in roughly the same neighborhood but like they're they're doing very very different things like they pack a lot of punch in their yeah. intention with this yep yep i think so yeah so, uh, so we should we should talk about like a little bit what happens so if you choose to restore ruck says hey we're going to meet again on the next go around but we're going to be strangers like, which is uh, ominous <laughs> yep. like why would you meet the person who created the calamity <laughs> right if not you know yeah this whole thing happening yeah. again whereas evacuation is your assembled group you know kind of inside the bastion kind of hanging from the bottom of it um you know talking about like hey you know wherever we end up people are going to be real surprised to see this floating city uh coming up and docking you know yeah yeah and playing docking yeah from this, their speakers <laughs> if this van's a rockin', i'm doing coke to docking that's an equid yep. joke. Um <laughs> the I like um one of the things that I, I think about um like uh market forces that influence game design. Mm -hmm. If if market forces weren't a thing, one thing I would love in this game is that if New Game Plus was just if you did the the restoration. Oh yeah. yeah. Like it didn't have a new game plus option unless you did that. <laughs> yep. And then you just it was like, okay, this is what literally happened. Like this is <laughs> this is what actually literally happens. Right. Is just the new game plus. But if you yeah. said evacuation, it deleted itself from your hard drive. <laughs> yep. And then, and then you couldn't play it again. Yeah. And it's and like, it, like, and so that, that actually adds a lot of, a lot of weight to the, to the opening line, which is most stories start at the beginning. Like, you know, who knows when you begin this game, what cycle you're on. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. Until you actually like, yeah, you make the, make the correct choice to get yeah. out of it. To, like groundhog your day, your way out. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Like I, again, like, and that's, I and mean, that's a big thing. Like other than the gimmicks presentation and stuff, like, I think this is something that the game is very like well remembered for. Yeah. Like we're like the things we're saying about it are not new. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is a, a critically lauded love game. Like the uh, what? What else is there? 
Yeah. Um, there, there were a couple times where it's kind of like, yeah, I'm just kind of doing tappa tappa tappa. I feel like I've made my choices and I'm just kind of like optimizing it. Um, I feel like it's varied. It's just varied enough to not have that set in and really be like a malaise over everything. Um, I, I just, the, the, there's enough going for this that even if one particular aspect kind of falls down, you know, like you can, you can retreat to the other thing that really works for you. It kind of mm. plays into it. Um, I can see some people's um, kind of mechanical quibbles with it and the way that it the, the way that it kind of uh, works out. But I think that um, the way that it leans into specifically the decisions that set up the parameters of the way you play moment to moment, I think that that's fucking inspired. Yeah, um, and that will that will forgive any number of sins related to the way you lock on to something. You know, it's so short. Yep. So, like, these little the aspects of it where people, you know, if people quibble about it because it's, like, it gets monotonous or that it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's like a parable, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it plays in, like, six hours. Yeah. You know, it, it, is, it is, you know, a very, very short game that gets in, makes its point, uh, both mechanically and narratively. You know, and as far as, like, uh, games where, like, overhead action RPG games, like, this is one of my favorites like you are doing more complicated build things and having you have more player choice and kind of mechanical uh depth than you do in like uh like link to the past or something like that like i don't like this necessarily more because that's you know all kinds of nostalgia and stuff tied to that but as far as like zelda likes in that respect like this is really kind of top of the pops for me yeah like i you know if i'm going to play an overhead action rpg like this hits all the notes i want like yes it gets kind of tappa 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 um, at parts, but like that's kind of what that—that's the genre, mm-hmm. you know. Like if you don't like that, that's kind of you don't really like these games. I feel like, yep. You know, I can't think of one that doesn't indulge in that at least a little bit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't. I don't have those problems with it mechanically. Like the twelve hours I played on this total, you know, in my life, <laughs> yeah. uh, both felt like good uses of my time. It's one of those things where I was talking about it having a sequel or anything or being longer. Like that would ruin it, though. Mm-hmm. So, like the the biggest like criticism I would lay against it mechanically is the thing I keep saying about it feeling like a tutorial for a large portion of it. Yeah. Um. You know. So it never gets to the point where it's like I have all my things. Let's see what what I can do with them. Yeah. It does, but just not. It doesn't fulfill that potential. Yeah, it's, it's the. I mean, we call it a three act game, but like it is very much like the last twenty to fifteen percent of the runtime where you are against the euro. You know. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's that's my biggest problem. Anything else I, I think is actually works really, really well. Um, yeah, I, I really love it. I mean, I like I end up liking Transistor more. Transistor is more um, or mechanically more like it is yeah. more mechanically uh, ambitious. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, like, it's tra- a weird game. Transistor leans into that choice stuff that we that we really, really enjoy. Like it takes away the moment to moment stuff by um, kind of hand waving over the real time nature your of the reflexes yeah, yeah yeah it makes it makes it more about decisions which is kind of just right up the middle yeah <laughs> you know? and, and that's why you know that's i love build in video games i love yeah. uh, decisions and it does a great job of like tweaking that stuff yeah um so like i you know as far as what i'd rather play in my hands that's probably it mm-hmm. um this though the story beat at the end just really really works for me yep. uh so well that like go bastion <laughs> it lands it lands yeah. with, with a with an explosion not a thud yeah it lands with a calamity <laughs> next time uh so if you have anything uh, the next episode that's going to come out is our uh, live, live episode. episode we've yes, already we, we switched orders a little bit so if people were paying attention uh you know we, we swapped <laughs> yes we did uh lots of reasons around that um but uh but yes yeah, so it'll be pokemon yellow we recorded that live at the portland retro games expo 
Um, mm-hmm. That will be accompanied by an exorcode that is, again, recollections of the show, uh, talking lots of sugar about uh, about the people we met there and stuff like that. But also we have a handful of responses um, on that mm-hmm. as well. That is already recorded. Um, if you have stories, go ahead and send them in. I can't promise they're going to be featured in anything. Um, yep. Yeah. After that, though, Gary, what are we doing? After that, we are doing our winter Western role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be on Neverwinter Nights 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, including not all of the expansions, um, even though, like, maybe I'll go crazy and do a type five on the other <laughs> one if I really like it. And uh, Mask of the Betrayer. Yes. A um, couple of things about that. Like, I think I mentioned this in the last time we recorded, but uh, Avalone, like, like we were talking about it, Avalone, like, hit my Twitter and I was like, oh, I, you know, I did a portion of that, but it's not like, it's not like a me game. I didn't write all of it. Yeah. Um, so it's a team. Um, but he had a, he wrote a couple of the NPCs and worked on the dialogue and, and worked on the game with another gentleman. Um, but it is still thrown up there as like, oh, great writing in games. It's Torment and Mask of the Betrayer. So yes. I'm really excited about that. Uh, enjoying the base game on my way there. But like, it's, uh, I'm really glad this expansion exists. Yes. Because if we had like mired ourselves to just do Neverwinter Nights 2, it's a little <laughs> bit tough. Yeah. So we're going to do one episode that is just kind of like broad strokes about Neverwinter Nights 2, getting kind of the mechanics and generalities out of the way, talking about the the events of that game. And mostly that is just to get context for for, for what we're going to talk about in uh, in Mask. Yeah. And, and right now, I mean, we still have it planned as a classic WRPG, you know, uh, you know, two, two eps in an, or three eps in an extra episode, I think. Mm-hmm. But it might, I mean, depending, we, neither of us have played these games. So, like, I'm going to make my way through it. If I think that we could do, if it feels like two ups and an extra sode, mm-hmm. then I think that's probably fine. Let's not stretch anything. Right. Um, we'll see how it how it feels. I'm making good progress mm-hmm. um, through it. So I should be able to uh, know that with enough time to do some planning around it. Okay. You know? Cool. Um, I will, we'll do the number of episodes, I think, that fit the the material, I think, is yeah. probably the best, best choice. Cool. Um, after that, what are we doing, Cole? Gary, we are doing Mega Man 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, um, this is a bit of a homecoming for us. Our first episode was Mega Man X, um, because that's a game that we're both passionate about. Uh, we did Mega Man Legends last year, but that was a real mixed thing. Um, Mega Man 2 and 3, though, these are kind of just uh, foundational works for the both of us. We're going to do them as a kind of dual episode so we can uh, compare and contrast. Um, I think that Gary and I fall on kind of differing sides of this, but uh, mm-hmm. both have tremendous affection uh for 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 the other game um i, I, think I don't that, know if we do fall on, on i i i can't really choose between them okay. so I, I don't know if i if i fall on a side on that i just i love them both very very much yeah uh, um, they're very short games um and they're both very similar um so doing them together makes a lot of sense this is kind of the golden age of the main series like there's a lot actually to recommend like a uh, five um mm-hmm. four oh, is yeah. a little bit of a meh but uh but like two and three are just kind of the height like they they shook out the the of Mega Man one and just kind of like really, really found their stride. And the reason, you know, we're doing both of those too, is that like, because of the nature of the show, doing just two by itself would mean we'd probably never do three. Doing mm-hmm. just three by itself means we'd probably never do two because it's so similar. Yeah. Um, so we were doing those together. Also a little fun trivia. This was originally going to be something we were going to do for our live episode. Right. But uh, switch to Pokemon because Pokemania and we love Pokemon <laughs> and we're, we have sun and moon fever as well. Yep. Um, uh, so this is, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I've got the Legacy Collection, uh, which is such an amazing and beautiful That's package. That's so good. It's, it's really, really good. So I'm looking forward to, to playing through these again. And, uh, you know, Mega Man is really good. <laughs> uh, secret, secret weapon to Mega Man, one of the reasons why I love him is how fat he is. Um, it, it doesn't come up enough that, like, he's really cute and chubby. But he's very chubby. Yeah. Like, he's a very chubby little man. And, yeah. like, 
uh that is one of my favorite things about him so <laughs> everything is it's a it is a it is a very chibi game yeah, yeah super cutie um after that we have awesome stuff planned we more or less have games planned out for another year <laughs> um, we don't have them slotted but we have like the stuff that we'd like to cover yeah um we're gonna have to start having you know or we're going to have not start have to like we want to start having our executive producer mm-hmm. um episodes will start trickling in i'm really excited to see what yeah. comes Hol- down the pipe holy shit those build up in like 12 hours gary yeah that's awesome <laughs> um so i mean if that's something you want in on um that will can will happen eventually you know, like these people get their picks first, but go ahead and, and give it that level. You'll get your pick after mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm really excited to see what people do because like something, you know, and I, I've, I keep saying this and this was true even at the time. But like you get your Soul Reaver episodes, you get your Mega Man Legends things. Um, even if I don't end up liking the game very much, like it's very enriching to like. Yeah go through it you know like i i wouldn't give up the soul reaver episode yeah. for anything no not just because of the product but even just the experience of being like oh this is a way that a game can be bad yeah <laughs> like this is the way that uh, nostalgia can betray you yeah we, we um we grow from we grow from both mm-hmm. <laughs> like i wouldn't give it up i wouldn't reset yeah and like like I, you know choosing the the bastion to make it so i never played soul reaver would be a, the wrong choice <laughs> you know like i went through all the hell of the calamity of soul reaver and now I'm going to move on, like yeah. enriched for it. Yeah. Um, and so any, any, anybody who, who's uh, worried about that, we've done this in the past. Um, there are oh, yeah. huge episodes that we've done that have been chosen by people who backed our Kickstarter back in 2013. Um, like that's what brought us something like uh, the Gabriel Knight 2 episode. You sure. know, like Star, the, uh, Star Control. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kirby. Uh, link to the past like a lot of really great episodes. Yeah. Uh, that we've done there. A result of this directly. Um, you know, and we're not going to like put out anything we don't like. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to record something on a game that we think will not make a good episode. So, like, yeah. you can trust us because these are vetted. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like that because this part has been kind of crowdsourced to people. This is more uh, a cool way to throw us curveballs, <laughs> um, you know, and uh, and give back to people who support the show. Yep. Um, speaking of which, how can they do that? Well, Gary, if they want to, they can go to patreon.com slash TV. Um, and check out the uh, the rewards they can get there. We've talked we've talked it up recently about this redesign that we've done. It has been a resounding success, um, mm-hmm. and people have responded very well to uh, to the decisions that we made in kind of making stuff available. The extra content is more accessible than ever. Things like adaptation decay. Uh, the most recent episode of Try This, I think, is the best one we've done. It is a fitting um, kind of send off to that mini series, um, and uh, more people can get access to uh, to uh, Exquisite Suffering, which is some of the best stuff we've done as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that, uh, you, you can check that out. Um, five, ten bucks a month, even down to like two dollars a month, gets you uh, gets you access to our Slack channel. Uh, we stand behind it. We we firmly believe that this is. Uh, kind of a great way, uh, not just to support us. Like we see that, like that is that is self evident. But like that, you get stuff of value from doing that as kind of thanks and as incentive. Yeah, we don't want to feel gross about anybody spending their money on us. Right. So, and we've I've never felt gross about it. No. So it's uh you know, and that's because of uh, how we balance that. So we really do appreciate it, and uh, we hope that we feel confident that you'll 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 feel good about it too. Mm-hmm. The um, yeah, um, and then normal things like ratings, reviews. Uh, telling people about the show, um, you know, the, all those things are are really really noteworthy. The Resident Evil Four episode is really big for us. Um, it turns out, like weirdly, like a four hour episode about that game turned out to be a good ambassador episode. So, yeah. I mean, that might be you know, I think that might be our best performance yep. on an episode. Like, I think we were pretty on point and high energy and and goofy and good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be a good episode to show people if uh, you know if you're trying to get people into the show. Yeah, I um, really appreciate that. It, it is absolutely the most downloaded thing we've ever done. 
Yeah. So. Which is like including like, you know, you know, <laughs> the stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, and including uh, the Tomb Baxter episode. So, you know, it's serious. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I got the papers. I don't know yeah. about that. Um, <laughs> what, what is, what is absolutely the most important thing people can do, Cole? Um, whoa, that's, I don't know. <laughs> what were you trying? Oh, oh, they can tune in for uh, tra- for the duck stream. Thank you. Yes, that is what I was leading you towards. Whew, okay. I'm happy I chose well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we talked about at the beginning of the episode, it was worked into the sketch, uh, but this is uh, a, a charity stream that we're doing uh, for a fantastic cause. Our, um, our community has always come out in force like $10,000 over the course of like, you know, three years for, for, mm-hmm. for, for a charity like that, that directly affects so many young people's lives. Like mm-hmm. it, it is, it is one of the best things like highlights of the year, like PRG and that, like we need to spread those things out more, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, 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 you know, it's, we really do appreciate it. You get stuff for it. I mean, we won't belabor the point too much because it is all online. Mm-hmm. Um, we go duck, uh, duck forward slash duck stream. We talked about it at the beginning of the episode too, but yep. really hope that you'll tune in and you'll consider giving. Yep. And if you can't um, give support us in the chat, restream signal boost, all of those good things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and I think, oh, um, real quick, just because we never uh, talk about this. If, uh, you know, yes, we have our executive producer thing for choosing games for the show. Uh, a couple of people recently have been like, where do I suggest games for WAF? Mm-hmm. Um, you can do it through the contact form. Yes. Um, do so. Like, it, just because we have this executive producer, just because I said we have things planned out, mm-hmm. um, that is the place we look at when we're, like, scratching our heads figuring out what to do. Yes. So we curate that list. Um but that doesn't mean that it's you know falling on deaf ears. Right. Uh, actually, uh, either, either the contact form, that's one way to do it, or we have a form that is on the about page of the Watch Out for Fireball site right now. That may change. Like there may be like a specific suggestion page that goes uh, that goes on. Um, but uh, like that is a place where you can do it. It goes directly in and that becomes part of a list that we look at and say like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's really it's it's been fun to look through those too. I I didn't look at it for about two years, <laughs> and then and then started looking at it again. And like, I I was expecting it to be like, oh, this is going to be like seventy thousand JRPGs. We won't have time to do because <laughs> like retro gamers have a lot of affection for sixteen bit JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, but the diversity there is actually awesome. Yeah, there's tons of things that were suggested that I wouldn't have thought of, and many of which are like pretty good ideas. Yeah, uh, so that can feel like it is uh, shouting into a void. Um, just because we are very rigorous about the way we pick these kind of things. But like, if you shout something really cool, like, like we notice it. And even yeah. if you don't, we notice it. Like it is not yeah. for not. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think that's probably about it. Yeah. Uh, two things, duckfeed.tv slash tip jar, go there, use the Amazon link, especially if you're doing any kind of Christmas shopping, uh, going to be shouting that one out here, especially because, uh, November and December are huge months for it. Um, additionally, uh, I didn't mention it in the Patreon, uh, plug, but, uh, all backers, I, I decided to do something kind of, kind of, kind of weird for Halloween. I did a reading of the repairer of reputations, uh, kind of like an audiobook style thing. Um, and that has gotten some, uh, some love. So like when you back at the Patreon, like even, you know, at the lowest levels, you get like these cool little freebies, including music, including just, uh, those, uh, backer blog kind of things like little extras we decide to do. Yeah. So it is, uh, we like, again, we try to make it, uh, definitely worth your time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's good. What should they, what should they watch out for until next time? Cool. Um, they should watch out for the fallacy of thinking you can undo the mistakes of your youth because those are what make you who you are and you must cherish every wrinkle in your face because you earned them. Um, yeah, just a, an easy way to remember that. Uh, just say, uh, you, you're, <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, <laughs> 